Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Big, big weekend on the local sports scene. And uh, we still got series in the conference finals going in both the National Hockey League and the NBA. The World Championships wrapped up and the Bombers hit the field for their first preseason action of the year. We'll get to all of it over the next couple hours here on WST. Great to have you all with us. Hope you spent quite a bit of time outside enjoying well, the beautiful weather, windy as hell, but uh, listen, I don't think we're going to complain if we're getting 30 degrees before June even begins around here in Winnipeg. So uh, it warmed up, and we'll try and keep it warmed up for the next couple hours here on WST. Great to have you all with us. If you're just finding our channel for the first time, welcome aboard. Hit that red subscribe button on YouTube and join us Monday to Friday at 1 o'clock Central for the live show. And you can always get Winnipeg Sports Talk right around 3.30 in the afternoon, just in time for your drive home on your favorite podcasting platform. Go wherever you get your pods, type in Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe there as well. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, have to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Coolbet Canada, Assiniboia Downs, who are back in action tonight. We'll get to our picks later on today. The Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, and our friends over at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. Michael Remus, what is up? How was your weekend? It was great. It was hot yesterday. And I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to be nope. one of those guys who says it was uh, too hot, you know, because I mean, you had to be inside a little. Like, a little. With some air conditioning, but uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I was on a bit of a high, to be honest, all Sunday um, from the Sea Bears game that we went to on Saturday. What an atmosphere! So it was it was a great weekend uh, for that, for sure. Yeah, you know what? Like right off the bat, uh, congratulations go out to David Asper, Coach Mike Taylor, and the Beast from River East himself, Chad Posthumus, and the rest of the Winnipeg Sea Bears for. And we can only be described as an incredibly successful start to uh, the rebirth of pro hoops here in uh, in Manitoba. Um, we were both there. Uh, the atmosphere was absolutely incredible. A sold-out lower bowl of the Canada Life Centre, smashing the CEBL's attendance record in Winnipeg's first game. And, uh, and a hell of a game. I mean, a great game day atmosphere, a great game day production, although I'm sure... You know, with the with it being the first one, I'm sure there's probably some things that, you know, we wouldn't have even noticed that, um, you know, happened or didn't happen. It was one funny thing where the tip-off went and the very first shot that the uh, Sea Bears put up, the air cannons or whatever went behind the net, which was uh, which was a little funny. But, I mean, overall, there were so there's so much that goes into starting a new uh, endeavor in anything. And in pro sports, you've only got one chance to make that first impression. And I can speak for myself, and I think most of the people that were there on Saturday night, that first impression was damn good. And uh, the home team won, got a little hairy there at the end uh, with the uh, Vancouver Pandits rally at the end of the game. 
Um, but Remo couldn't end it much better. The hometown guy, the first ever member of the Sea Bears, Chad Posthumus, putting back the rebound for the winning points. And uh, the celebrations began there. I mean, just um, overall, an absolute home run for uh, for Winnipeg Sea Bears in their first game. Absolutely. Um, has, uh, you know, the sold out lower bowl, as you said. You know, we hadn't had basketball here, like pro, since the Cyclone. And I remember going to Thunder games as well. But there was definitely a lot of excitement for ball. The thing that blew me away, the merch lines were out of control oh. long. Um, they have some great merchandise available that people are excited to wear. Um, I thought the you know mood at the game was like a party atmosphere with music uh, going on and um, you know places to sit and stand in the end zones. Um, I thought it was a great time, and I hope more people go to other games. I you know that was the, the first game, so it was you know sold out, and we'll see what happens uh, going forward. But this couldn't have been a better start, and with the ending. Um, they do have the Elam ending, which is a target score. So basically, with four minutes left in the third, in the fourth quarter, they add nine to the leading team score, and whoever gets to that target score first wins. So the Sea Bears had a huge lead and almost blew it at the end. But it was Chad Posthumus when they needed uh, they needed one basket to get to that target score. So they're always going to have these exciting finishes where uh, that's a walk off. So he you know put home the rebound and. Everyone was going nuts. It was an it was awesome. What a, what an atmosphere, has the great. It was I great. It. Uh, so I was sitting, and again, thanks again to the Sea Bears um, for uh, the uh, excellent media seating. I was sitting right beside Ryan Reyes from the Filipino Journal, who was there. Uh, the dude from Winnipeg Wilden, who um, they've done a great job at covering it. If you're following them on Instagram, if you're not, you should be. Lots of entertaining stuff on that account. And then Mike Sawatsky and Scott Billick. But I happen to be sitting right next to um, an older gentleman from southern Ontario who is, I believe, the head referee for the league. And he was there kind of on behalf of the league, just making sure that all of our ref scores were familiar with some of the intricities of the league. First of all, the first target score ending that uh, we've seen here in Winnipeg. As well as, and this is an interesting kind of comparison to the Canadian Football League. I mean, there is a ratio. You always have to have two Canadian players on the uh, on the court. So they were monitoring that. But he was the chatty dude, and he was filling me in on everything. Um, you know, explain how the target score works. Uh, you know, first whistle, as you mentioned, after the four minute, they look at the score. They'll add nine points to the team that is leading. And in this case, I think it was like 80 to 68 at that point. So 89 was the number that, um, you know, whoever got there first won the game. And it does two things. First of all, you don't have all that fouling that often happens at the end of the games. Just And you also didn't have anyone trying to run the clock out. It's about getting to that point and getting off the court. And it did get a little uh, a little hairy there at the Henry Hall because yeah. Vancouver, uh, bottom line is Winnipeg had a tough time hitting a basket for about the first two minutes afterwards, and it got close. Um, but there was the big guy afterwards. So I got a nice little, um, a primer in all things CEBL from one of the officials. Um, but everyone in attendance got a chance to uh, witness a, a real thrilling finish. And uh, overall, I mean, just a great production. I had a chance to talk to David Asper just quickly afterwards, and 
He was in great spirits. I, I don't think that even the most optimistic people in the organization could have imagined a rebirth of pro hoops that went as well as it did on Saturday. And I'll tell you what, congratulations to Winnipeg. You have raised the bar for CEBL crowds. I got to tell you, Reem, this is, I mean, it's a short season. It only goes for a couple months, but I have a feeling that um, Canada Life Centre is going to be rocking for these Seabears games uh, the rest of the way out this year. Yeah, I really like how they're doing this. Uh, starting small, I think it's 20 uh, games total, so 10 home games, and uh, they're all evenings. And the next home game is January or June 12 here. The next act of the next game is on Thursday. And if you do want to watch it, they are on TSN Plus. Uh, their streaming service, you have to log in with your cable provider or you can subscribe separately. My preferred uh, method is Fire Stick. I don't know what everyone else uses, but there's a million, million different things. And um, it was, I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes. Um, you know, People were excited. Uh, I did enjoy the fireworks shooting out of the basket and all, all that stuff. They had with the cheerleading team at the halftime show. Uh, felt like a, a, a big league game there at the Canada Life Center. So, um, I'm, you know, this we've, I've heard about CEBL for a couple of years, and it's finally here, and I think this was an exciting thing for Winnipeg sports on the weekend. I do want to give a shout-out to Huss. These are, this is your, look at your seats for everyone on YouTube. Oh, this is Hustler. Is, I'm, there's the guy I was talking about right beside me. Oh, this guy? Oh, yeah. The, uh, yes, yes, the, the head ref guy. Um, you can see in front on the bottom right, Christian O'Mell from OB and Dave Crook doing the broadcast for it. There's Joey Slattery behind them who was uh, running around doing sideline work. Um, and over on the far left, which you can't hear, I guess it was John Goddess, but he and our pal Darren Bombing um, are going to be doing PA work at the at the games this year. And um, Bombing was finishing up bonfire post-game after the Bomber game and got there a little later on in the game. But we'll talk to him about this as well as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, a little later on. As much as the team was ready to go, <clears throat> I, I gave a shout-out to the fans for the way that they brought it, Remo. One in particular fan deserves some dap, and I'm not sure what the young man's name was, oh. but the first ever inter the first ever in-game promo done by the Seabears was a shot from just inside center court off of, I guess, a Flair Airlines logo on the court. And... Uh, the guy just put it up and drained it. Uh, I think he won two tickets anywhere Flair flies and then had the opportunity to turn around on a shot that was more than half court on the other side and banged it off the rim. But um, that, that was an awesome moment as well on a very a night of great memories for uh, the rebirth of, the, uh, of, of hoops here in the city. Yeah, I thought you were going to say it was the other in-game promo where the guy goes to shoot a basket in like the arcade-style game. And instead of going to take a shot, he got down on one knee and proposed to his girlfriend. So we had our, at the first game, we even had a proposal on the Jumbotron, and she did say yes. So yeah, that he was. Didn't, he didn't throw up a brick on that one. That would have been, <laughs> that no. would have been a lot worse than anything else if he had missed on that. No. And uh, so, yeah, that was, I mean, great. Here's, here's another, I took a couple pictures there, Huss. Here we are. Uh, and you can walk around uh, there. We got a nice picture before the second. All professional WST shirts. Yeah, like yeah, we're looking good. Spreading the word in our polos and our media passes. So that was fun. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how this uh, turns out. But in the middle of uh, May or sorry, end of May, some nice hoops. It was great. Loved it. Looking forward. I'll go to another game for sure. 
Yeah, highly recommended. And uh, hey, here's a quick white out question of the day for all of you. Who was at the game? And uh, if you were at the game, would love to get your thoughts. Let us know in the chat uh, about uh, about what your thoughts. Blue Cat Animation saying, Huss, where's your Bombers gear? Well, it's still the preseason. Don't worry. There'll be plenty of Bombers gear coming up even later on this week. First home gear. game is on Friday. Today, today I've got the Howard Chuck Strong shirt. So I don't wear There's gear. always time for Howard Howard uh, Howard Chuck Strong here on uh, here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I try to seem like an impartial Big J journo on this show, Huss. Yeah. I don't wear I don't wear any any gear. No gear for me. Yeah, the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, am I supposed to laugh at that? Or I don't want to yes, ruin my journalistic integrity <laughs> by wearing any team apparel. Come on. Hey, one other thing quickly on the game. Um, it was a perfect ending with Chad Posthumus, the hometown guy, the first ever player signed to the team, getting the put back for the win. And 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 the big guy was in foul trouble um, throughout the second half. I mean, he picked up. I mean, the third and fourth fouls, to be honest, were a little chintzy. I'm no expert, though. He was not pleased. Um, but he had to stay off the court, which meant that other Canadians were playing a little bit more. And the guy that stood out to me was uh, was Simon Hildebrand, the the Bison star, who was the rookie of the year in U Sports this year. Um, he was phenomenal. He had some massive, massive hoops in the second half. And, um, you know, the two local guys on the squad were big, big parts of that win. I think that's only going to be even better. Um, and it's great to see that uh, Sean Moranin is part of the uh, the larger squad. I don't think he was on the active 12-man roster, uh, but you've got some U of W flavor. You've got some U of M flavor on the club. And uh, most important, they did win one nothing. And the one other thing that I will say, Reem, and I'm sure you will agree, um, you know, our city is a lot different than it was 20, 25 years ago. The demographics have changed. We've got a far larger Filipino community, East Indian community. I'll say this, um, you know, just even looking at the lines to go into the uh, into the arena on Saturday night, this was a very different looking crowd than maybe some of the traditional hockey crowds that we've seen before. And uh, even before tip off, just seeing all the people that this team had interest in it enough to come out to the first game, uh, I think the 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 future for this team is incredibly bright because. Um, you know, we know what a big sport basketball is internationally. And I know Canada has always been a hockey country, and it will be. But um, there's a, a lot of support for other support <clears throat> sports like soccer and basketball. And, uh, man, like to be playing at Canada Life Centre immediately makes it feel, I think, probably a lot more big league than maybe some of the other places in the, uh, in the league that are playing at smaller venues. And the fans came out and... Um, Credit to the Sea Bears for really connecting with uh, a number of the other communities in this city, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's um, it's a great thing to see. It was just, I mean, everything about that night, I'm sure from a Sea Bears perspective, was perfect. So, um, congratulations to all of them, and uh, we got to wait a little bit, a couple weeks before the next home game. But um, I'll tell you what, I think most of the people that were there on Saturday night are going to make a point to getting back sometime this season to see the new squad. I think so, Huss. It was fun, and I'm, you know, again, looking forward to following how this does uh, throughout the season. And I agree, it was a, a great atmosphere at the game. Uh, and, you know, ho- hopefully it uh, it continues, Huss. So uh, I remember, you know, Thunder, they had some great merch. 
uh, for them. And Sea Bear is continuing it with the teal. I love that. And again, the mer- the merch lines there like was was oh. crazy. I have not seen anything like that. Um, I got in through gate four, which is basically Hargrave and Portage, and walked in that door, and there was a merch tent or merch booth or whatever. It was basically outside the Bud Lounge in that north end, and the line went all the way around past gate four, there was hundreds of people in line and it didn't stop throughout the game and it didn't stop after the game on that area at the, uh, at the end. So anyways, highly recommend congrats to the sea bears on game number one and uh, <clears throat> a great, great night at Canada life center. Um, of course that was following the first blue bomber preseason action of the year. Reem. And we'll get into that a little bit more with Jeff Hamilton and Darren bombing a little later on, but uh, bomber still got it done. There hasn't been many big stories so far throughout Blue Bomber training camp other than let's get on with it. Let's get to game number one of the season and see this team try to get back to the Grey Cup and win it this year. Um, But we did get a chance to see uh, a little more of the third quarterbacks. And um, I'll tell you what, the defense, the one side of things that, you know, if there was some concern, run defense, uh, and without Jackson Jeffcoat out there and Casey Sales gone, that defensive line may be uh, a little bit of a concern, but uh, quite clear that uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are still the team to beat in the West in the CFL after uh, that first game. Yeah, and the Elks still uh, can't win at home. And I think the thing everyone was talking about is this uh, quarterback, Tyrell Pigrome, has uh, two touchdowns, including a long one. Um, you know, he's battling for the number three role and he's the player that impressed. And that is what we're, uh, we're talking about. He did score the bombers trademark one yard touchdown, but also had a, and they're the one, someone's got to go and punch it in. No Dakota Prukop this year. Yeah. Who is uh, Sean McGuire of 2023? Although it is funny. I was flipping back between the bomber preseason game on CFL preseason live on their website and McLeod Bethel Thompson was in action on Fox on the U U S Oh. FL and he was playing pretty well, but yeah, Pigromi had the one yard run and also a 45 uh, yard run, which was the go ahead touchdown for the bombers. That was the one I saw. Yeah. And I mean, this dude has some jets. Like the minute he was three, four yards past the line of scrimmage, he looked like a running back or like a skill position player, not a quarterback. Um, so we'll talk to Hammer and, and bombing about that, but um, if and again, I, I try not to overreact or take too much from a preseason game. But I mean, when you're with a bunch of other QBs and you've got limited opportunities with live bullets to show what you can do, Pigroom, I don't think could have done much more to show that he will be the guy to um, get that short yardage work and uh, earn a roster spot. Yeah, and we were also the other quarterback. We're talking about Zach Caleros didn't play last year in the preseason, but he did get in. Uh, five completed passes on eight attempts, 93 yards, and a touchdown to who? New guy or new old guy, Kenny Lawler. That's uh, a 67-yard uh, t- TD in the first quarter. So Valeros and, and Lawler really picking up where they left off. Um, and Drew Brown came in as well. He was, what, 3 of 5, 35 yards. Uh, go to the Winnipeg Sun for for. Uh, Putting these was head writing this because I go to the CFL website, no stats for the game. Like, come on, CFL, what are we, what are we doing here? So that's that's what we we're have not for yet. CFL. We're not there yet. We're not there. 
barely get live stats for the regular season games. I'm trying to we're trying to talk about this here, but yeah, but that's uh, the Bombers preseason. I know Darren and and Jeff kept a closer eye. So they'll give us uh, some more insight as well. We'll get to all of that. And I see Travis in chat saying Winnipeg is a great sports city. Absolutely. Goldeye's games were great, too. I made it to the ballpark as well. Uh, man, that wind, <laughs> the wind was blowing out this weekend. Um, <laughs> it was a good day to just get your bat on the ball because it might have ended up in the Red River. Uh, but the Fish, with a big win yesterday, end up winning two of three against the Canaries on the weekend uh, I believe, yeah, two or three, and then uh, hit the road now for uh, finishing up that first homestand, be away this week, and then back at home the following week. We'll fill you in on that a little bit later on. Uh, we are, we took a little bit to talk about the hockey um, because Bill Lindsay is going to be coming up and joining us right away, and we are not burying the lead. Canada is the world champions after winning the World Hockey Championship overseas in Finland. But the biggest story, to be honest, was Latvia winning the bronze medal. <laughs> and if you have checked out online the party that is going on in Latvia right now after winning their first ever medal, uh, it is next level. Um, and the Latvian fans, year after year, are always the stars of the show at the World Hockey Championships. And to have this sort of a performance with the uh, the stunning upsets that they had with the Swedes, and then... The Americans, um, they beat a lot of top teams throughout that run. And um, listen, it's just great to see some other countries get rewarded, get a little, get some results, especially for an event that means so much to them. I mean, you know, Canadians and Americans don't pay much attention to this tournament, unfortunately, because, of course, it's going on at the same time as the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's a picture right now in Riga, Latvia, and the prime minister or president or whatever they have over there gave a full national day off after Latvia's win. We don't get political on this show very often, but uh, Canada won the gold. Where was our day off today, Reem? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We had ours um, yesterday or last Monday, I guess. But yeah, I, you know, I love the Sunday with the uh, you know, Sunday of what the Memorial Day weekend is usually when the World Championship gold medal is. Canada winning. Um, you know, nice to see uh, what Milan, Milan Lucci, Chess, uh, Tyler Toffoli, a couple guys. Uh, Winnipeg's Cody Glass on there. How about Adam Fantilli? He's going to go at number two in the draft, winning the World Junior and uh, the World Championship. How about I, that goal he scored? Yeah, I mean, man. It's good. Whoever got, what was it, Anaheim got number two? I mean, they're still getting a quality player, even if they lost out on Connor Bedard. You know, one thing for me, you got to feel for Team USA had this incredible oh. run in the, you know, round robin, you know, what, when undefeated. They were undefeated heading into the semis. And you lose to Germany because I thought we were on a collision course for a Canada USA final. We were not. And then you lose the bronze medal game to Latvia. And, you know, we were keeping an eye on Dylan Sandberg. Had an overtime winner. Was playing top pair for USA. That's a Winnipeg Jets defenseman, Dylan Sandberg. And USA, big disappointment for them, I think. They've, you know, they've had a really strong team there. To not have a medal after that kind of, uh, after that kind of round robin, I think that's got to be a big disappointment for them. But, hey, then we wouldn't get Latvia. And how about their, their goalies oh. in the Canucks organization? He was tournament MVP. That was the number one story for sure. Yeah, and again, I always have a tough time pronouncing the Latvians' names uh, until, you know, unless it's something like Arters Urbe, which is a little bit easier. 
Um, but yeah, just an amazing, amazing scene today in Latvia after their bronze medal. And uh, shout out to the Canadians who got the job done. Um, we are going to talk Stanley Cup final in just a couple minutes. Before we do that, shout out to everyone that popped by Modern Man Plessy for their grand opening event yesterday. Raised some great money for Prairie Wildlife Rehab Center and most importantly gave out some great cuts. Now with the grand opening of Plessy and Pemina behind us. Modern Man Barbershops have eight locations in Winnipeg to take care of you. Specializing in haircuts, beard caping, uh, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look and make an appointment via modernmanbarber.com. And you can follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops. Well, it's still steamy outside, folks. If you've been thinking about getting in the water on the weekend, make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. And of course, whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech is ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Well, what a run it's been at Manitoba Battery for the last uh, few weeks. I mean, with their big 10th birthday anniversary sale on, uh, with the best prices on everything that you need right now. Deep cycle batteries at 105, 6-volt and 8-volt golf cart batteries on sale. And, of course, everything that you need for your dirt bike and ATV, lawnmower and more. Donnie and the gang at Manitoba have Battery have it. And compare with any of the big box stores and not only will you not have to wait in line, but you'll pay 30 to $50 less per battery. Take advantage of the most convenient service as well. And they'll deliver it to you anywhere in this city with any purchase of $60 or more for free. Find out more at manitobabattery.com or pop down and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And, uh, well, we're just waiting to see who the Florida Panthers are playing in the Stanley Cup final. But a big cheers to... All the teams that are still alive from Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, and of course the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and WST. Four days, folks, you'll be gathering around the rum hut, grabbing a CC or a Canadian Club and ginger ale in cans. If you can't wait till Friday at IG Field, pick it up at your local Manitoba liquor marts or beer vendor. Of course, Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, this is going to be real fun. We got game six tonight between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. And meanwhile, the Florida Panthers are just kicking back, waiting to see who they play in the Stanley Cup final. And the Panthers and NHL Network analyst Bill Lindsay, former Panther, joins us now. Bill, thanks so much for doing this. How are you? I'm doing good this afternoon. Everything good there? Yeah, uh, everything's great. We've uh, we got some weather that might not quite be Florida-like, but um, okay. for Winnipeg at this point, everything's great. I mean... Listen, the playoffs were a little shorter for the Winnipeg Jets than people around here would have liked, but the Panthers are showing that... I know the that, feeling. I know yeah. the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> the Panthers are showing that uh, it doesn't matter what happened in the 82-game regular season. Magical things can happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and uh, really, it seems like ever since they got down 3-1 to one of the Boston Bruins, they have been on a magic carpet ride all the way to the Cup Final, Bill. I mean... Uh, you've covered this team for a long time, a former player. What's it been like around this team, watching uh, win after win, upset after upset, and uh, now four wins away from uh, getting Paul Maurice's Stanley Cup ring? <laughs> Phenomenal. To see the juice come back down here to South Florida. I was here in the early 90s. We built it up. 
took a long time uh, to get back to this scenario. Uh, but you have made the playoffs four straight years, won the President's Trophy last year. You built the, the trust back in the fan base somewhat, and you're able to get back, scrape and claw into the playoffs this year. You find a way in. This team, even though they, they were, were the last seed, they were banged up at the start of the season. The flu bug around Christmas time. Paul Maurice, the coach, was frustrated trying to implement this new system. But after January 1st, and especially after the All-Star break, their records stacked up with everyone in the East outside of Boston. So maybe it comes somewhat of a surprise, but to see the way they played down the stretch, you could see that they finally had an identity. Hard forechecking going to be really tough to play against. They were much better through the neutral zone. Paul Maurice was getting everything intact. The only question remained, could they get in the playoffs? And they they did. Uh, you mentioned the Boston series. Boston was historically good, and they were that, that good. They've been the toughest opponent for the Panthers. You've won 11 of 12 games now against Boston, Toronto, and Carolina. If you did that during the regular season, people would think, Wow, that's crazy. They've been able to do, uh, do it here during mm. the playoffs. So just watching it all, it's it's they've just it's like a little snowball. It's just gotten bigger and bigger and better and better and just keeps growing in the right direction. Bill, the snowball almost didn't get going in game yep. five of round number one. And I, I I was sitting here watching it. There's what, fifteen seconds left in the game. It's three three. The puck is down in the uh, the Boston end. And uh, Brandon Montour, who has been so incredible, kind of mishandles the puck. And all of a sudden, it's six, five, four. And Brad Marchand, of all people, is on a breakaway. Um, in a lot of other scenarios, that puck goes in. The Bruins win 4-1. But Brabovsky, Bob, who was not even a surefire guy to start that game, kicks the leg out, makes the save, keeps them alive, they win in overtime, and the rest is history. Um, do you, what, what were you thinking when that play happened? And uh, what can you say about Bob since that save was made and uh, where he's at right now? <laughs> my, oh, my heart dropped when I saw Marchand on a breakaway and coming to bound. That's the sa- you're saving the season. Uh, Bobrovsky, literally. What, yeah, literally. And what, what can you say about Bobrovsky? Interesting coach. Talk with the goaltending coach, Rob Tallis. And Alex Lyon was able to get this team in the playoffs. But that was the team was playing good in front of them. Same thing with Bobrovsky, the systems. And that's what allowed Alex Lyon to kind of go on that run. But it's kind of like in poker where you have a hot hand. They knew that they were going to ride Alex Lyon to some point. But he's a career minor leaguer. He's putting together this good stretch. Uh, they were just going to see how far they could stretch it out. Is how far they could go with it. They knew that they were going to go to Bobrovsky at some point. Bobrovsky handled it well, puts in his work ethic in practice. It can't be denied. When he was called, he was ready. But So Alex Lyon, they rolled that hand as far as possible, in my opinion. The coaching staff did a tremendous job saying, okay, we're cashing in the chips on that one. <laughs> we're taking all our money. We, we've exhausted it. Uh, now we're going to go to Bobrovsky and uh, see 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 what he can do, and it's it's on another level. Alex Line, to all his credit, is one heck of a goaltender. Did fabulous things, but his ceiling is nowhere near the ceiling of Bobrovsky. And you can see it in these playoffs. Once he gets dialed in, uh, 
almost unbeatable down low. And large part of it is just the ups and downs, but mentally he's, he's engaged along with this whole team. What happens in the playoffs is you, you've got to be able to take your game from here to here. You've got to be able to elevate it. If you do that, then you're going to have a chance. And it's happened across the board. You could go up and down that lineup and say, yeah, that player's playing better than they did in the regular season. And Bobrovsky is no bigger example than that. You know that he has that ability because he's won two Vesna trophies. It's been a struggle here. But he's pieced it all together in these playoffs. Well, I mean, timing is everything. I mean, this is still a $10 million goaltender that lost his starting job to a career yeah. minor leaguer, but you always know you're going to get that other chance. And to me, that save, and then the way he played an OT before they won game five and were able to get it to game six, it seemed like a lot of things changed uh, right around that. Now, we could talk about Sergei Borovsky for a long time, the other guy that has been... Well, I mean, you tell us about the impact of Matthew Kachuk, not just in this playoffs, but really since he came in game number one of this season after the haul that the Panthers gave up to acquire the former Flames star. Well, he has a seat at the Hart Trophy table. McDavid's going to win it, but he's earned that right to sit there with the top three. They don't get in the playoffs without Kachuk, and he changed the identity of this team. He's loud. He's boisterous. And sometimes I... I use the word cockiness, but cockiness to me is when you don't, you don't have the game to back it up. Uh, with Matthew Kachuk, it's swagger and self-confidence and belief. And you've been around, if you've been around Boston people, they're loud. They're just loud in general. Uh, they're outspoken. And so Matthew Kachuk, he brings that, he just oozes personality. And the best way to describe him as a player is that he's just got a fourth line mentality. And he's got first-line skill. If he didn't have that skill, he'd be the best fourth-line player in the NHL. Just getting in your face. Uh, he drags everyone into the fight. Doesn't matter what's going on in the hockey game. He's going to make an impact and be in clutch at the right time. Couldn't, <laughs> he's rewriting Panther history, but also NHL history with what he's doing in these playoffs. Jonathan Huberto did a lot of fantastic things for this franchise. But Matthew Kachuk's a unicorn in the NHL. You try and find that another player, another example, they're hard to come by. There's maybe one or two or three more that you could say, okay, that player reminds me of a Matthew Kachuk. And he went from 100 points in Calgary, switched over, and many thought maybe Lindholm Gaudreau, that was the best line. Could he replicate that in Florida? He's played on the first line with different line mates, second line, doesn't matter. He just continues to produce. Uh, and it's all around that blue paint, just getting his nose dirty. He's, he's changed this franchise single-handedly. Yeah, and, and, you know, it speaks to Bill Zito, speaking of being finalist for a trophy, he's finalist for the general manager of the year because of the stones it took to swing <laughs> as big as he did for um, that acquisition of Kachuk. But that wasn't the only thing they did in the offseason. Of course, they went and hired Paul Maurice, who we're very familiar with here in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't smooth sailing the entire year. Um, you know, at times, the team was well out of a playoff spot. I mean, if all you need to do is fire up a social media app and Panthers fans were irate about what was going on. I mean, you've been there before. You follow the team every day. What was the 
the M.O. of Maurice coming in to take over this team that had won the President's Trophy. It seemed like it was less about the regular season and more about teaching this team the things that they needed to do to eventually be successful in the playoffs. And uh, it came right down to the wire, but it seems a lot of that fruit of the work that they've done is now showing off when uh, when it really counts, and that's the Stanley Cup playoffs. It is, and he came in here with a with a job and a mandate to try and change this team into a playoff hockey during the regular season. And I talked to him at the start of the year, the adjustments he wanted to make through the neutral zone and, and being a heavy four-check team, trying to wear teams down. They were high octane off the rush last year. Dump-in rates last year, they were last in the NHL at dumping the puck in. They carried the puck in, tried to make plays off the rush. This year, dump out and dump in rates. Dumping out, they were second. They were first in dump in rate. They So you talk about changing the identity. It was a complete overhaul. I talked to Maurice, and he was frustrated trying to get there, trying to bring this team to that point. But you, once this team got healthy, you could see that identity take shape. And it was just, was it going to be too little, too late? Uh, they grinded and fought and just managed to, to claw forward. And Paul Maurice d- does deserve credit. He, It's about those six inches that I don't know if you've ever seen that any given Sunday, but that <laughs> Al, the Al Pacino speech, it's applicable with this team. Inch by inch, we're going to do this. We're going to crawl. We're either going to die together or live together or die as an individual. Mm-hmm. And they have fought for that inch. They, they have scratched for it. And once you do that, you become a team. And uh, they've, they've recognized that. And that's kind of sums it up for Paul Maurice right from the start of the year, scratching and crawling for just those six inches right in front of your nose. Bill, Bill Lindsay's with us, uh, Andy Schill and Panthers analyst, uh, discussing the upcoming Stanley Cup final between the Panthers and either the Dallas Stars or the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that quote because, um, you know, and I know you were talking about some of those stats who are a good friend of ours and your colleague, Mike Kelly, at the NHL Network. Has talk, he's talked about Maurice for years here with us on our program and now seeing <laughs> the job that he's doing, talking about some of those changes of what they've worked on and the purpose of it. For but for all the analytics and the the stats and what we have numbers for right now, Bill, I'm still waiting for an analytic number that talks about simply winning one-on-one battles. Because mm-hmm. if you honestly, when you look at the difference between the Panthers and the Leafs, and even in this last round against Carolina, albeit incredibly tight. I mean, that I kind of agree with Rod Brindamore. That wasn't your run-of-the-mill 4 nothing sweep. No. Um, the tenacity and ferociousness of which the Florida Panthers play in those one-on-one puck battles, to me, has frankly been the difference because all these teams are good, all these teams that can score. It literally does come down to a test of will at times, and it seems like the will in the Florida Panthers has been just a step above some of their opponents so far. At this time of year, guts, heart, cojones, all those things, that's, that, that's what you need. And that's what this Panther, this Panther team has been able, to, been able to do. And the best way to describe it, uh, we went to the finals in 96, first time 27 years. What you have to do at this time of year that everyone has to work so hard that your fear of failure, not for yourself, but for the guy next to you, is so extreme. You're not worried about letting yourself down. 
that guy ne- sitting next to you is working so hard that if I don't work to that level and I let that guy down, man, I'm not going to go home disappointed about the way I played. I'm going to go home and, and just feel awful about letting my teammate down. And so that goes around the dressing room and everyone starts doing that is just the fear of failure for the guy beside you and that you're going to work so hard and be so determined. And what also comes out of that is trust. So now I can trust the guy sitting next to me. His effort level, there might be mistakes, but I'm not going to have to question his effort level. It's going to be there. And up and down the roster you go, everyone's going to bring that same sort of effort, that same sort of mentality And that's when you become a team. That's when you become a group and it's solidified. And that's to you this time of year, you talked about the will. Will beats skill any time of the day. But when you have skill combined with it and will, that's that's what's gonna put you put you over the top. Uh, because without that will you can have all the skill in the world, Toronto Maple Leafs, I don't care. It, it it's the will, the drive, the intestinal fortitude at this time of the year that's going to push you and hopefully make you a Stanley Cup champion. Bill, um, Alec Barkov is still the captain of this club, but mm-hmm. in a lot of ways it seems like Matthew Kachuk is the heartbeat, I mean, the on-ice leader. What's the relationship between those two guys, and has Kachuk's arrival and just everything that he brings into a room, has it actually made Barkov's job maybe a little bit easier on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, Barkov, he's the captain, and Matthew Kachuk, he's there. He's forefront and center. Alexander Barkov is a quiet leader. Goes on. There's been many quiet leaders around the NHL. You go back to Joe Sackick. I played with Joe in Quebec. Very quiet, very unassuming, but went about his business. Patrice Bergeron, perfect yeah, Patrice, example. Uh, yeah, Steve Eisenman was the same way when he started out in the league. Uh, Barkov is going to lead, but he's going to lead by the way that he plays on the ice. He plays a 200-foot game. He has the ability to control at both ends of the rink. Uh, Kachuk can be out there. He can be the the voice sometimes in the dressing room if he needs to get on to, to some people. So it's kind of a shared leadership du- duty, and it's a perfect one-two combination. You got one guy that just unassumingly just goes about his business almost to perfection every night with the details of the game. When you watch Barkov and the details – at both ends of the rink, it's impeccable. It's spot on. He doesn't cheat the game. Uh, and because of that, uh, he gets rewarded at the offensive end. And then you have Kachuk that's, that's out there that's kind of everywhere, just flailing away bodies. <laughs> he might make mistakes, uh, but ends up scoring uh, critical goals. So the leadership, it has made it maybe easier on Barkov. But he does go about his business, does lead by example, does deserve to be the captain of this team. But having Matthew Kachuk and, and, and a bigger voice to kind of take some of that pressure off Barkov, I believe, has helped Barkov. Uh, Bill, you know, obviously the last couple rounds, they've had a little bit of extra time off because of how quickly they've won the series after going the distance in round number one. Um Will this be a benefit being off for as long as they have will have been before the Saturday and playing game one of the cup final? Um, or might it take uh, a little bit longer to get into this series? Um, you know, they had that great start against Toronto. I thought it was they were still on that high from Boston. Just an interesting perspective on the time off before 
Morant at the same time as their, uh, who do you think that they will be playing? Dallas is that re-entered the chat, if you will. Yeah, not quite sure. Uh, Vegas, that's, I mean, it's only been done four times historically in the history of the game. So it still favors Vegas to get to a cup final. Uh, Dallas, Jake Ottinger, don't rule them. Don't, don't rule them out as far as rest. Uh, maybe you could make some arguments that you don't like it, but at this time of year, the one, the one round that I wanted rest for, we went to Game Seven against Pittsburgh. I would have loved, loved to have some days off to regroup and recalibrate for the Stanley Cup Final because it's it's a madhouse. Media, friends, family, everyone was calling you. All of a sudden, two days later, the pucks dropped. And your head's just swirling. You're like, wow, we're, and we're down 2 nothing, just like that to Colorado. And so you're able to heal some bumps and bruises. Maybe there's a bit of rust, but you'll, you'll take that, just getting all healed up. You're able to get your friends, your family, all the media stuff done, put aside. Now when it gets down, you travel out to Vegas or Dallas for game number one. You reset, you put the phones down, social media, don't interact, tell your family that you're going to talk to them after the series. And now it's time to be laser focused. I would take rest any day of the week for the Stanley Cup final over a hectic six or seven game series. It's, that's just my personal opinion. Maybe you come out on a roll in those first couple of games if you do play hot, but the fatigue factor, the wear and the attrition that you have to put your body through at this time of the year is almost inhumane at times. Rest is important. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens in game number one, but I think I'm with you. I mean, over the course of what should be a very tough, hard-fought Stanley Cup final, I think the rest will uh, will definitely benefit. The, hey, before we go, um, we've talked a lot about, you know, the the, the players, the, the personalities right at the top, and Barkov and Kachuk, and, of course, Paul Maurice, who's of great interest to people here in Winnipeg. Um, but Brandon Montour... I mean, we've always thought of Aaron Ekblad as the the guy back there, and got Gudis, who's a complete psycho, but everyone would want him on their team. But Brandon Montour, I mean, is this a coming out party for him for people that maybe have not seen the Panthers as much all year long, or has he taken his level, his game to a whole nother level over the course of this playoffs, Bill? You want a direct? Yeah, he's taken it to another level. But you want a direct comparison? Look right in Winnipeg, Josh Morrissey, identical. Uh, 35, 36 points was their career high, both over 70 points this year. He went from 17 and a half minutes to 24 and a half minutes. Paul Maurice gave him the keys to the car on the quarterbacking on the power play. I said, that's going to be your duties. Uh, he's all over the ice. He doesn't even consider himself a defenseman half the time. If you ask him, he says, I'm just a Rover. <laughs> and he's got the skating ability, ability to go with it. He's going to be all over the ice, uh, and Mark Stahl, the defenseman, deserves a lot of credit, the veteran guy, just being back there because he's in the right spot at the right time, allows Brandon to just go and do his thing. But you could see his confidence during the regular season with that added ice time and knowing that he's going to be the number one guy, quarterback in that power play, just just soar into the stratosphere. And I can't. I mean, I can't think of a better comparison than, than Josh Morrissey in Winnipeg. When I watched the two players and the way they skate and the way they play to what they did for their respective teams this year, it's, it's almost a, a direct, exact comparison 
Uh, and you could see what happened with the Jets when they don't have Morrissey in the lineup. Same thing would happen to the Panthers without Montour. Hey, Bill, this has been so much fun. Just on the way out, uh, I know the Heat had a heartbreaking loss in game number Oof. six, and they got game seven tonight. But with the Heat and the Panthers, uh, what's it been like around South Florida over the past month or so with all this uh, playoff excitement for both the Hoops team and, of course, the Cats? Yeah, there's been it's it's been crazy, and there's the market for it. I know we get beat up down here as a, a fan base. We had to earn the the trust back. It's South Florida, you got to win down here. It's it's just that it, the Miami Dolphins they don't win, they don't draw. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of bad years, but uh, it's coming back. And you know, talked about the Miami Heat. They've uh, they've done a good job. Eric Spolster, their coach, has been so good for so long. They got Dave County. Uh, down in Miami. We used to play down there. Now we're up in Broward County. So Dave County is heat and uh, Broward County is all Panthers. So we, we, we got it all covered here down, down in South Florida from heat uh, down there in Miami, up here in Fort Lauderdale, Boca Raton, Sunrise, that type of area. You just can, you can feel the buzz, the electricity throughout, throughout the city, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, wherever you go, it's, they're talking about both clubs. It's been a long time coming, but, uh, Man, it sure feels good for this fan base. Well, it might be all about the Panthers as of tomorrow. We'll see what happens in this Game 7 yeah, tonight between yeah. the Heat and Celtics. Bill, really appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, enjoy what should be a great Stanley Cup final, and thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. <laughs> There's former Panther and NHL and Panthers analyst Bill Lindsay with the latest on the Eastern Conference champions as they get ready to uh, await and find out who they're going to be playing in Game 1 in the Stanley Cup Final beginning on Saturday. All right, Hammer's up next. Looking forward to this. See how his weekend was, if he hit the waters, (laughs) as always. Uh, Hey, folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, you got to get down to one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or shop online at myvita.ca. With the warm weather here... You know what that means. It's barbecue season. Get down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And the perfect thing to help you digest that red meat is Health First Primezyme Digestive Enzymes, which will help you with things like heartburn, gas, bloating, and abdominal pain after meals. That way you can enjoy that delicious food you're cooking that much more. Uh, They've got online delivery options as well if you Order at myvita.ca before 11 a.m. You can get the order that next day. Find out more. Pop in and see them at any of the seven Winnipeg locations or shop online at myvita.ca. If you're in the market for a new fence or an overhead door, only one place to go, gang, and that is Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist, serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. When it comes to fences, There's a reason why they own the market. They've got it all. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door as the Clopay dealer in Manitoba, they have Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop into their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Um, How's the closet looking as we get into wedding season, fellas? If you need to up your menswear game, you need to head on down to F Apparel with custom suits beginning at just 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties. If uh, you and the fellas need to get looking good for the big day, 
and 2023 high school grads will get a free custom shirt and tie with the purchase of a new suit as well. Find out more in person at fapparel.com. Tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. You can also make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com, and you can visit them down at 190 Smith Street. And, uh, well, Nick and Nikki DQ is working overtime this weekend with the heat around here. Uh, Blizzard machines on overdrive, and that's a good thing because all the new, brand-new summer Blizzard flavors are here and going fast. No better time like the present to get a Blizzard into your life at Nick and Nikki DQ. Pop down and see them at either the DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, or DQ Neverville. All right, let's get uh, let's get the hammer in here and get this uh, week really going. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press joins us. Hammer, what is up? How was the weekend? Hustler, great to be here. Uh, you know, the weekend was amazing, man. I uh, I took full advantage of the weather, got out for a few different bike rides. I don't want to do free ads or anything like that. I know how that works in the corporate world you live in, but <laughs> I, I went to the beer can for the first time ever. Actually, went twice. First time um, ever. First time ever, yeah. And then what? I went. Then I went twice. I capped it off on. I, I went Friday evening, and then I went Sunday afternoon. And in between, I went to the uh, the uh, the Low Life Brewery, another great spot, twice. So I was I was doing the bike tours, and then today I had another bike ride. That's why I might. I just got back. The weather. I just beat the rain, I think, but the weather kind of put me on uh, put me on a bit of allergy watch. But I know you want to get to my garage sale, and I'll just get it out of the way right now. I didn't go. The waters were were not rippling this weekend for me. Um, yeah, it sounded like it. some other waters were rippling yeah, for you. Well, to be perfectly honest, part and, of it, part of it, is <laughs> it too, look, I, look, I'm not going to bore your bore your listeners, but it was two a two pronged situation. It was a late Friday evening, and then uh, my sister had to bail because she had to volunteer for something, which was great. But me and my mom have, have agreed that perhaps we're not the best partners alone. Three is the crowd we need to be successfully uh, on the water. So that's all I can say at this point. I <laughs> got you. Well, you made some good choices with some stops on the weekend, and uh, I'm sure you were just going, how the hell is this the first time I've been there before? I, uh, in fact, have a meeting there a little later on today. We're working on an event there. I, I, I will tease that, but stay tuned for this. Um, Breaking news. Let's. Uh, I, first of all, I, I guess you weren't at the Hoops game on Saturday night? No, but I wasn't, but I saw all the, you know, I saw all the hoopla. I saw, you know, several friends on social media, their videos, obviously, um, you know, everything. I, I read the, the stories, you know, I noticed obviously leading up to a lot of hype leading up to it with the, with the, as you mentioned off the top of your show, smashing the, smashing the league record for attendance. I know that would have been bumping. So just, you know what, I think it's a, you know, I'll just echo some of the things you said. I thought it was absolutely incredible that Winnipeg showed up for it. I think basketball is is the kind of sport that can get a lot of different cultures and people involved and, and take full advantage of it. And it's great to see them see them uh, you know start with such a successful game. Then obviously the the victory to boot. So you know what an awesome debut. Yeah, it, you know it was um, as I said. This is uh, I think it was overdue. Um, but in some ways. And I just think back to, I mean, I was young. I was working, selling tickets um, at the arena, the old arena, when the first incarnation of the Thunder was here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Jets had bought four courtside seats, and most of those people were like, oh, I'm not into basketball or whatever. So I was the beneficiary of it. I got to go to tons of games sitting there, and it was awesome. It was so much fun. And, I mean, the first couple games, I think it was 11,000 for the first Thunder game. Um Unfortunately, the league was a joke. And like every two or three weeks, another team in the league would fold. 
and it really impacted any positive momentum going forward for the team. And the next thing you knew, the league was done, and then it was the Cyclone, and they were moving to a smaller venue. Getting these games at Canada Life Centre was an absolute home run. It takes everything up to another level. They're able to utilize what that building has and make it a far better experience. Uh, but also the central nature, nature of, of the building. Um, I, I think this is just going to work. And then you've got, I mean, the level of play. I'm certainly not a basketball expert. Um, I don't know whether, where it would. I mean, there are some guys in the G League that will play in this league in the summer. But I'll tell you what, to be able to have a couple local players like Chad Posthumus, who was such a big part of it, and Simon Hildebrand, who had that monster rookie season for the Bisons play as well, uh, I think the deck is stacked for this to be um, a real successful season. Anyways, a great, great way that um, that it started. Now, part of the reason I'm sure why you weren't there was because there was Bomber preseason action. And uh, yeah. first of all, shout out to the CFL. Stream was good. Got to hear Dusty do the game, uh, obviously, on the uh, the CFL stream. There wasn't a lot of huge topics and stories through this bomber training camp, um, but we did know that, you know, come preseason time, we would learn some things. I mean, uh, what were the big standouts to you from um, what you were hoping to find out from the preseason game, and did you get any answers? Yeah, I think I'll start off by saying before we get into Piggy T and his performances, as I'm sure you've already touched on, and that was probably the biggest takeaway, was that it's the preseason game, right? It's the first preseason game, so things are going to be sloppy. I don't know how much you can take away, uh, you know, in that Edmonton in a lot of different, you know, a lot of ways dominated the Bombers. They dominated them with, uh, you know, dominated them in total total yards. They dominated them particularly on in, in the ground game. They exposed Winnipeg's first-team defense uh, throughout the first two quarters in a, in a lot of ways. I thought, um, you know, like those would probably be some of the, the more negative stuff, but they still, despite all that, ended up with a two-point victory. And, you know, they, these games don't count for anything in the standings, obviously, but um, there's certainly a point of pride there. And uh, so that's obviously, a, you know, a positive for the Bombers. And, um, you know, I thought, I think like many people, was a little bit surprised that uh, Zach Claris played in the game and for as long as he did. Um, you know, I think if things went a bit smoother for him early on in the game, like if he would have led the game with two touchdown drives rather than then two two and outs to start his, you know, start with the offense, he probably wouldn't have seen him after that. But um, because he had a slow start, I think the Bombers wanted to get him just, you know, just some reps, right? Just some, you know, some valuable reps so that they can what will likely be the case next week sit him out but you know I, I thought for him to get things going and particularly with Kenny Lawler I know there's a lot of bomber fans that watch that and are getting excited about you know those repeat performances between two guys that connected for you know for a lot of those highlight reel passes and, and touchdowns in 2021 when Kenny Lawler led the league in receiving as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber uh, so that was obviously a good sign um, you know I thought I thought, uh, you know, outside of that, I mean, let's get to it. You know, Tyrell Pigram was, you know, what, if you're talking about how few battles there were, were heading into this training camp, the, the only one that really existed after, after Sergio Casillo was signed and the place-kicking narrative just completely changed was who was going to be the third quarterback, who was going to be the quarterback that was going to replace Dakota Prukop, throw the ball, be able, you know, be able to throw the ball, but be able to run the ball most importantly. And anyone who looked at Pigram's... Uh, you know, Piggy T, as he's uh, so affectionately known by the team now, is that 
you know, look, look at what he did. I mean, he, <laughs> and if you look at his performance highs, it couldn't have started out any worse. The first, the first snap was a bot. His first play behind center was a botched snap. What well over his head, nothing he could do about it for a loss of 17. And then, you know, then he turns around, he's facing second and 27 and he fires a 34 yard dart to Jeremy Murphy, who also had another good catch. He's a name that I don't think many people would have known. And, uh, but certainly, you know, helped his case with two two key catches and then to cap off that cap off that series Pigram go, runs for a 45 yard touchdown um you know like he's Cam Newton like it was just it was Dude, that uh, play was crazy like the minute he was about three yards past the line of scrimmage lightning. if you had just started that play at that point you wouldn't have thought he was a quarterback you would have no. thought he was a running back or a receiver that had just caught some sort of a slant and was gone I mean that's an athlete right there Oh, and a guy that, yeah, that that I think answered a lot of questions. Now, is he the slam dunk guy for the role? I, I don't know if you can say that just yet. I mean, Josh sure Jones, like you it. know, it sure <laughs> looked like it. He's certainly the front runner for it. I, you know, the Bombers liked him a lot. They like, you know, they, they you know, he's not a big guy. Um, you know, just to steal a description that from, from, you know, you're getting bombing after me, I believe, but to steal his, his description, you know, he says he's got a Kevin Glenn type figure and he's not you know so he's not a big dude uh but the bombers like what they got from him they they know he's got a, you know they, they wanted to see his legs in action and uh certainly he showed that off with the team high 71 rushing yards right and so um but I, you know I, I i just mentioned jones because he the guy gets in with four minutes left in the game and, and really doesn't get much opportunity to show you know show anything so i i'm sure that's going to be the case next week and that's the interesting part i don't think I think the Bombers are going at it completely different this year, just understanding how, you know, how old their core is, how experienced their team is, and how little, you know, I mean, how little they need to to, to get reps and, and risk injury in the preseason. I think you're going to see very few starters in, in the home game uh, against Saskatchewan this week. And so I think what we saw there, and I think the biggest takeaway beyond, you know, Pigmore's uh, uh, performance was, was the fact that the, the team, you know, got out of there unscathed and, and healthy. And that's what you want to do in the preseason. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's talk, just talk about that decision for a minute. Um, I like you was a little surprised. You know, usually if anything, you're going to keep the guys out and then play them a little bit right before the season starts. Was this maybe a reversal of thinking? Let's get these guys some action right now. Uh, I mean, the, the regular season game is just a week after this game on Friday at the home game. Uh, and maybe if guys were nicked up, it gives them a little bit more time to be ready. Uh, or did Coach O'Shea talk at all about, you know, basically his line of thinking, bringing so many of the ones out to Edmonton? Good one, Huss. Yeah, my, yeah my, Mike O'Shea laid it all out on a platter for us, exactly what his, what his mind frame was with the roster. No, he, look, he, it's quite obvious now. I mean, I think he, he was trying to hold his cards as close to his vest as he possibly could. But then when you start, when you put out a, a roster that the Bombers did and, and all these guys were going and, you know, the o, the starting O-line was was playing and, and every starting receiver, they're really the only guy missing in the offense was Brady Oliveira. And he hasn't practiced at training camp for, for weeks now. Uh, so, you know, I think once we saw that, you could just see that, you know, and, and Willie Jefferson said it on CJOB after the game. Um, he, he noted, you know, he kind of laid it out on a flyer, to be honest with you. He, he said, you know, because of the, you know, as you mentioned, Huss, because of the quick turnaround, 
uh, with the regular season game, just a you know the opening of just a week later, just for that you know repair and recovery is is a lot more important than any you know any potential rust that might be in place, right? Because you know these guys have been going pretty hard at training camp. They've been you know I'm sure they're you know I'm sure these guys would love to have you know when I say these guys I mean like Willie Jefferson and and you know Adam Big Hill's another guy who hasn't even practiced in training camp, so he, you know there, there's an interesting situation right now, but. Um, you know, I think a lot of guys would love the reps. I just, I think they prefer to be healthy heading into the regular season when things matter most. Uh, as far as the defensive side of the game, um, I have to admit, Edmonton ran the ball in the Bombers <laughs> a lot. Um, Casey Sales is gone. Mm-hmm. Jackson Jeffcoat is hurt. And to be honest, I mean, hasn't, I think he's what, played 12 games the last couple of seasons? Right. Um, you mentioned Big Hill not being there. Is that the one potential area of concern for Winnipeg going into the year? And do they have all the bodies? Might they need to add another player in and around the uh, defensive line? Yeah, I think when you look at just how consistent they are and, and dominant really in a lot of areas, when you look at, you know, for all those things you just mentioned, the injuries, the inconsistency in that game. I mean, yeah, they were missing, you know, they, they were without Casey Sales now who's with Hamilton. Uh, you know, they don't have, didn't have Jackson Jeffcoat, which is obviously an important player for them. But I think that's just precautionary because of those reasons you mentioned, Huss. I don't, I think if you were to, if you were to look at any player and go beyond maybe Zach Claros, why you would even play him in the preseason, I think Jackson Jeffcoat would probably be number two, just be given, just given how, you know, for lack of a better term, fragile he's been as far as injuries have gone over his career the last few years. So, um, you know, that's obviously going to affect things. And of course, Adam Big Hill, uh, you know, the quarterback and the linebackers, the guy who's pretty much coaching, you know, the weak side and, and getting him prepared um, and, and just as fast and as good as, he's, as he is around the ball, that's going to affect the run game defense. So um, both of those guys, though, are expected to be ready to go. I mean, that's uh, we've given, you know, Michael Shade isn't exact. I mean, he hasn't been great at, you know, suggesting when guys are going to be in, but the just the, you know, the the feeling is, or at least what every indication we've got is that, you know, Adam Big Hill is, is going to be ready by, by the regular season. And uh, same thing with Jackson Jeffcoat, who has practiced this, this, you know, in training camp. So um, I think, but if you start looking at those bodies, especially this week, I mean, if, if Adam Big Hill doesn't get on by this week, I mean, and then he goes into, you know, goes into next week to, to actually prepare for week one and, and which you could ultimately say he's without a training camp. Um, yeah, he doesn't need the training, you know, the preseason reps per se and the, and the potential for a risk of, of injury, but he's not, you know, as superhuman as he is in a lot of ways, I still think he needs to have some level of participation at training camp to feel like you're comfortable putting him in there. So I think this week we're going to get an even better idea, obviously, of, of his injury. And, and I know that, um, you know, Brady Oliver is banged up. I mean, he's, he's you know, he's... Um, you know, I think of this situation, it's one of those things where you don't, you know, you don't want to risk it making it worse. And, and he will probably be, a, you know, a game time. I wouldn't say a game time decision per se, but he probably will be sitting out much of next week. And I wouldn't be as surprised to see him in uh, first week, uh, the first day of week, uh, week one of the regular season. Anyways, um, obviously not great news, but, I, you know, all indications we've had from all the key players that I'm out, and that's including Janarian Grant, who is on the suspended list because he's banged up and it's a paperwork issue. Um, you know, he's expected to be ready for week one. So as much as we don't have any answers to those guys, you know, health, health statuses or availabilities for week one, we're going to get a better idea here over the next week. Jeff Hamilton, the Winnipeg Free Press with us. Uh, 
let's get to the uh, the pox. And I mean, listen, since we last spoke, there really hasn't been much of anything happening in and around the Winnipeg Jets. Not that, well, publicly at least. I mean, I think you can be rest assured that there's lots going on behind the scenes right now. A lot of phone calls with agents and probably to other general managers. But um, I mean, listen, there's some things that have to happen, whether people expect them to quote unquote, try and run it back or make massive changes. I think we know that just with the contract situations that things are going to be coming up in the month of June right now. But what are you expecting, Jeff? I mean, is it for things to happen more draft week in Nashville or, you know, essentially when the cup ends, the cup final ends, which is usually sort of a dark time in the league. They don't like big moves happening, maybe taking attention away from the cup final. Um, Do you think that there will start to be some activity before anyone even gets to uh, Music City? I think you have to. I mean, I, I don't think that you can just with, with how many, unless, unless you've made a decision on guys already. So unless you've made a decision that you're, and I've been leaning more towards this side. If you made a decision on Mark Shifley and say Blake Wheeler staying, I think then, then, you know, like then you could probably do the draft stuff. You could probably wait up to the draft and then not pass the draft to maybe get, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Connor Hellebuck because you could make these decisions like you know especially if you're talking with these teams and I'm assuming you would be talking with teams leading up to this time and you kind of know what the you know by that point you kind of know what the sweet spot is or what or what or what middle ground you're trying to make up here Um, you know I I think that you'd have to do something before that and I think you know I've been saying this for weeks and a lot of people you know have agreed with this and have said it themselves is that I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is the first one you know the first piece to fall but um, you know, I, there's a lot, there's a lot loaded, I think, in, in that deal with, you know, his health status and, you know, and what, what the results of his physical are eventually going to say and, and trying to figure out, you know, just how valuable he is going to be next season. Right. Because all, as we all know, the timeline, I mean, Montreal could just hold off and, and maybe offer sheet after the, you know, offer sheet after the, the draft and, and, um, so there's lots of things at play there. I just think if you're trying to get business done, that would be the probably the the first one you'd want to get out of the way, and then you make you make the decision on the other three whether you want to keep them or whether um, you know whether they they they're you know better fit for a trade. That's where I think the deadline of the of the NHL draft is what I think, especially around 26 and 55, is the answer we're going to get for I think what the Jets' decision is. I think they might go into next season not you know wanting to be a team that they believe could contend, you know and you know, under a vision of Rick Bonus, I imagine too, and of course Kevin Shoveldayoff and Mark Chipman, um, and then decide after the draft. You know, you know, maybe to go into next year. I, I, at that point in time, I'd be way less, mm-hmm. I'd be way less confident that the Winnipeg Jets are looking to change things up, just because all we've heard and we've seen from reports about their lack of interest in you know rebuilding and all those things. If any of those pieces go into the draft and then move Pat and are still with this team on the draft, I think we have our answer on on what, what, where this team's probably, you know, where their head's at with where the, which guys they want to keep and which want to go. Well, well, let me ask you about that because, again, you know, and listen, I'm not sure that there's been any public statements from any of those parties' bonus, well, particularly Sheveldayoff, that, you know, there's no intent on a rebuild. or And, again, everyone has a different definition of that term, too, which complicates things so much. Um but I think we all realize that something's got to give. I mean, with all of these players, there's either extensions or they're moving those players for different assets. I mean, I can't imagine 
And I don't think the Jets can possibly be in the business of letting any of those guys walk for nothing at the end of their year. And I don't think they're close enough to winning anything that it would be worth risking that. <clears throat> and and I think that they, you know, looking in the mirror would agree with that as well. Um, but the Shifley, the Shifley situation is quite interesting. Um, do you think that if they don't get the offer that they think that he is worth and they and there's no extension, which I don't think that there will be. That's just a personal opinion. I obviously could be wrong. That they could have him come in and play through this season expecting to be dealt at some point, at the latest point, the trade deadline. And if that happens, what sort of effect does that have on the team overall? Yeah, I mean, that would be under the... I guess the idea that they would have this conversation like they had already decided he was gone and that, you know, so you're, I guess you're asking if that was the situation, what the headspace of Mark Shifley would be knowing that he was at, at, you know, was going to be dealt at some point this season. I don't know if I could see the Winnipeg Jets taking that approach um, just from a business standpoint, because I mean, to answer that question, I think you, we've already kind of seen the way Mark Shifley reacts under pressure or, you know, not pressure per se, but when he's when he's called out or or is put under the spotlight or or not made to feel great, uh, you know, by by the team's leadership, he hasn't exactly responded well. So to think that you would go into some negotiation where you would almost promise a trade by the deadline, I just I don't know why the Jets would do that. I think the approach you would take if you were to keep Mark Shifley in the next season was you try to negotiate with them. You try to do, you try to get him for potentially at a deal that you're happy with that Mark Shifley probably has no interest in doing. And then, so you, you hold on to this, you hold on to this maybe at, you know, cause if you do eventually trade him and, and that is the deadline you've kind of set for yourself. And I imagine you would have to set for yourself. Um, if you're Kevin shovel day off, once you dealt him, you kind of maintain that, that, narrative that you tried everything in your power to bring him back and you know you you, you finally reached a crossroads and had to deliver on on a trade when wh- whether that was your intention the entire time or whatever I don't think you need to play your cards that much and and so but I, I could also see the Jets you know I would is it something I you know would would advocate for probably not but I could see the Jets trying to work out a long-term deal with with Mark Shifley, probably not eight years, or if it was eight years, it wouldn't be, you know, max money or anything like that. Um, but I mean, that's, that's kind of the decision. I think that's the clarity they're all searching for right now. And and then understanding once you understand, once you've got a better understanding of where everyone's heads at, you can start, start negotiating or start uh, attacking your plan, understanding, you know, getting that clarity, you need that before you start reaching out to guys because guys talk and guys, you know, they want the love and they, you know, they want to know that they're priority. And so I think, you know, I'd be fascinating to find out what that is, because, again, we're going to get a lot of those answers over the next few weeks here and hang into the draft how those conversations went. We're never going to find out unless some unless Kevin Sheveldayoff or the players come out and say, this is what, you know, I, I asked for. We're going to have to figure that out, you know, through action um, and potentially what happens at the draft. Because, I, like I said, if, if, it, if it goes in after the draft and you have, those players, I think those conversations or possibilities of sticking around, whether it's till the trade deadline or longer, are get pretty good after the draft. You know, it, it, it's funny you say that because I, I have to admit, I'm sort of with you that I think probably the most likely thing that they're going to tackle right off the bat would be Dubois. 
But if there's a possibility that one of those players is going to come back and play for the Winnipeg Jets this season through most of the year, knowing that they'll likely be dealt at some point, I actually think Dubois could handle that far better than Shifley could. Oh, I think Dubois has handled that the last couple of seasons in Winnipeg. So, you know, like he's I, you just know, sort of, oh, yeah, I, think, whatever. I think he's just like, this is where I'm at. I'm going to make the best of it. I mean, you know, these guys have things to play for, right? I mean, it's, it's a long-term plan and you, you're not going to, you're not going to think too far down the road. You have to be in the moment and you're, you know, the moment's pretty darn good. If you're Pierre-Luc Dubois or Mark Shifley, you're playing for a team that gives you plenty of ice time and opportunity and uh, you know, a platform to showcase your skills to wherever you might want to be. So there's a lot of incentive to play. It's just, you know, I think, I think when you, when it comes down to it and, and the mental fortitude it takes and the, and the collectedness of a team, the less, the less, you know, less key players you have on your team that, you know, at least mentally have, you know, a tippy toe out the door, uh, the, the better for, for, for that cohesion and finding, you know, what you need and that excitement and whatnot, you know, that, that goes into long playoff runs and grueling, you know, grueling rides to the cup. Yeah. Um, because I mean, Dubois, as we've seen before, now listen, I think part of, you know, the fact that he can just think about other things or doesn't know what he's having for dinner that night. And also maybe don't know how he's going to play that night or whether he's going to look like game one, Pierre-Luc Dubois or game five, Pierre-Luc Dubois. But I honestly don't think that it would be like some sort of a cloud around him at all the times. I think you'd probably get the same Pierre-Luc Dubois that you would be getting regardless of any other variables in and around it. Uh, And it wouldn't be a surprise to anybody that he would be dealt at the trade deadline or at some point. And and, and I mean, to be fair to Shevel Dayoff... I think that even if he was having a good season or things are going well, I think everyone would totally understand them doing that because of, I mean, hell, you traded Patrick Liney and Jack Rossovic to get this guy. You cannot lose him for nothing. And I think it's incumbent on him for his job to do the best he can to get the best return whenever that point is. Now, is it better to do things now and get ahead of it and move on? Absolutely, but not just unique to Dubois. There's just so much for Shevel Dayoff to do. If you talk about these four players that we think are all in the mix, the two centers, Shifley and Dubois, Blake Wheeler's situation, and Connor Hellebuck on top of that, depending on how their talks are going, um, there is a chance that some of that drags into the season, although I would imagine from a Jets perspective, they probably would like to have clarity on that, whether that's realistic or not, considering what's on the table for those players. Like specifically for 26 and 55? Well, for all of those, but I mean, I would say some situations are different than others just based on demand and the ease or difficulty of moving the contract. Oh, for sure. And other factors will be at play as well. If someone start, if someone, you know, makes a call to Kevin Chevrolet off and wants to give you the world for Mike Shifley has figured out their roster conf- or is looking at their roster configuration for next season and needs a guy who just tucked 42 goals and bleeds hockey and could clearly use a change of scenery. I think that might dictate, you know, the priority list. Right. And so, um, but if you're, if you're just going to, uh, you know, internally and mentally, I mean, we, um, we've talked about this lots. I mean, if you are looking to continue to be a team that is going to compete, you are going to make an effort to keep Connor Hellebuck. Whether Connor Hellebuck, 
you know, is going to want to stick around or is convinced that you, you know, you have the team or will be the team over whatever amount of years in a contract he would, he would ask for to be a contender um, would is up to the jets and their, their sales pitch. I, I don't think they, I don't think they ha- I don't think they'll get that. I mean, I'd be surprised if Connor Hellebuck signed an extension and said that he believes, you know, in this team, um, and, and, and their future after we heard some of his comments about, you know, about talking about, in, you know, in this exit interview, talking about individual players having great success, you know, wherever they might go, um, but collectively just haven't seemed to found to find that recipe. And that's, that's been the case with this team. So I don't see, you know, with those feelings changing, um, that, that, that all obviously becomes a, a main priority. And I think the question you need to ask yourself, and maybe you're getting those answers certainly in, you know, over this offseason, the offseason is still fairly young too. So that's another thing to take into consideration. And we talked about this, Huss, like there's not a lot of unrestricted free agents coming that, you know, teams are looking, licking their lips over. The Jets have guys that, you know, are, are quality players, are, are, are younger in, in a lot of cases, or, or dominant at their position. And um, because of that, you know, lack of UFA kind of talent heading into the market, you're going to, you know, you potentially get a better deal. But, you know, I also think you need to figure out over this summer what those what, what that is, what, what those offers are, and then try to look at years past and potentially what, what the, um, you know, what the trade deadline, uh, you know, take back could be. I mean, maybe there's some players that make more sense. Maybe a Blake Wheeler makes more sense, um, you know, dealing at the trade deadline than he does over the summer or, you know, Mark Shifley or, or, you know, certainly I would not say Connor Hellebuck and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, but who knows? I mean, those are, again, those are answers that they're going to have to figure out here. And what, what you already said was, is, is a busy, busy off season. Well, though we, I mean, listen, the Wheeler situation is far different. I think the reasons for considering or trying to move him are very different than those other three players. Um, and, and here's the thing, Jeff, I mean, for Wheeler, if it got to the trade deadline, I mean, you're pretty much just about done the contract. I mean, at that time, yeah, maybe there's a taker that will just be paying. They think that Blake could be a good depth piece for them on some sort of a playoff run and would take it. But I'm not sure that solves the problems of why the Winnipeg Jets are considering doing this right now, to have a real true turnover amongst a culture change within that club. Um, if you did a, a, a percentage pie chart, if you will, give me your percentages on this. Blake Wheeler is traded and the Jets retain salary. Blake Wheeler is bought out. Neither happen, and Blake Wheeler plays next year for the Winnipeg Jets. Give me those three scenarios. Oh. How would you? How would you uh, handicap those right now? So, traded with money. With and money, I uh, include money because I don't think there is. Money, yeah. z- so I think tra- there's zero chance money, of trading that eight um, plus million. Buy him out or, or or keep him. Yes, um, I would say. I would say. Um. Forty percent, or forty-five percent, that they would trade him and retain money. Forty-five percent that he would stay with the team, and ten percent that they would buy him out. Actually, I almost feel like I would split split the two evenly of those two options, which is a bit of a cop out, and and make buyout one percent, just because it's like one of those things you had to do one star. I just I don't I could you can't not see that happening. I just can't see this team. And their relationship with Blake Wheeler and everything that they've, you know, done for him and he's done for them and what they put up with and whatever and all those things. I mean, if they were to buy him out, 
Um, you know, I mean, what, how, what would that reaction be in the locker room? I mean, we heard about the, you know, we listened to several guys in the exit interviews refer to him as the team's captain. I mean, to get him up to, you know, to the end of this long contract, just one year remaining and to buy him out, um, would take a ton of guts in my opinion. Um, and I just don't see the Jets maybe having them to do, to, to make that decision. So I would say it would would be different. I mean, like it's either you're here or you're not there. I mean, like everything, like whether it's team. Well, there's another option. There's another option there. There's another option there. There's a potential option. Like Blake, Blake has dealt with, I mean, he's dealt with a lot of injuries over the year. I mean, he's dealt with, I imagine some chronic injuries. He's, you know, he's had, you know, a lot of, again, played a really rough game. I mean, he might not be, he might not be game ready, so there might be a you know a potential for you know an LTIR situation if he if he's not you know because I also don't see him retiring. I just don't he you know he doesn't come across as the guy like a Bufflin who could just walk away from you know a bunch of cash in one year you know and and yeah, not, not blink an eye. Eight point two five million reasons. Yeah, speaking why speaking of one percent of players, speaking yeah. of one percent of players, that's that's Dustin Bufflin and everybody else. So. The uh, the true the true one percenter. Um, hey, just quickly on the way out. I know uh, bombers were off today, and now they get back on the practice field. I mean, do uh, you think that this will be a very uh, young team that takes the field for uh, for Friday? And uh, really, right now the preparations are on for the Ty Cats on uh, the home opener on June 9th? Yeah, I really do. I think this would be the you know the, their best opportunity to to you know get as much information as they can on these final cuts. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of guys they still need to look at throughout this week, and then uh, and then of course the game. And when you give as many reps as you did to the you know the first the first team offense, the first team defense, um, you know I, I don't think you give those players who you're trying to get answers from you know a, a good enough shot with what we saw in game one. So I'm fully expecting. Um, you know, I'm, they might dress a lot of people, but I'm fully expecting the majority, if not all of those reps to, to be going to, you know, the players, the, the second team players, um, you know, third team players, if it gets that, and then, you know, sprinkled in with maybe a couple of veterans just based on numbers. But, um, yeah, I'm expecting a very, very young and, and inexperienced team against the riders this week. Good stuff, man. Uh, have a great week. I'll look forward to, uh, Seeing you down at IG Field on Friday. Uh, can't wait to get back to the stadium, and uh, maybe we can do a debriefing at a local watering hole at some point after the game on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, it wouldn't be a horrible idea, Huss. And I'll see if I can't get back on the waters this week. It's uh, it's disappointing. I certainly don't like to. Uh, I don't like to miss two weeks in a row. So maybe we have that. And other than that, shout out to the uh, the watchers. You know, they you know they make the show. So we'll talk. We'll talk to you next week. Take it easy, pal. There is Jeff Hamilton. And uh, speaking of that bomber home opener and preseason game on Friday, uh, we got back-to-back Friday games at IG Field. You know where the place to be before the game is. The Princess Auto Tailgate Zone before every Blue Bomber game. Beer and food specials beforehand. Great entertainment and absolutely the place to be before Blue Bomber football. Get there early. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the place where you find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations. You can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. A lot of yard work was done this weekend, I'm sure. Gang, if you have irrigation issues that you need to fix on your property, 
I got a guy for you. That guy is our pal Joe down at Consolidated Supply. Consolidated Supply are the leaders in irrigation systems working with the golf industry for decades and can do the same for your property as well. They've also got artificial turf if you've got needs for turf at all. And of course, new and used golf carts is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. They do have some other great options for your property as well, though. Hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And of course, they're also the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see Consolidated Supply at their new showroom, open to the public, 1395 Nyaka Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Uh, it was such a great weekend, a little too windy for a lot of golf and even the disc golf. Disc golf was tough over the course of the last few days. But if you want to get into disc golf, you need to head on down to Royal Sports right now. One of the fastest growing and most fun outdoor summer activities is uh, just a couple of throws away from you. Head on down to Royal Sports at 750 Pamina. Check out all the discs they have in as well as portable targets. So you can bring out and play at the lake or really anywhere you want. Uh, they've also got spring stock arriving daily with soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, and so much more. Not to mention the biggest and best selection of licensed team gear featuring the Jets, Bombers, NHL, NFL, and tons more. I was in Royal on uh, on Saturday. Lots of great bomber gear as well. If you want to uh, maybe up your blue and gold quota in the wardrobe getting ready for the home opener next week. 750 Pemina Highways Royal Sports. Follow them on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina, for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And, uh, hey, shout-out to our friends at Boston Pizza. We got a big game tonight, Game 6, between the Stars and Vegas Golden Knights. We got Game 7 between the Heat and Celtics. There's nowhere better to get together with friends for the big game than your local BP. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, and gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. Stand in. You can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right. Horse pick still to come. We will get to the lines for those games tonight with Coolbet a little later on, but let's get a very busy Darren Bombing in, who uh, we caught up with on Saturday after finishing his duties as the host of Bonfire Sports, Bomber post-game coverage, and then right down to one of his other gigs where he's going to be doing mic work for the Winnipeg Sea Bears this season. DB, what's going on? How are you? You recover from that weekend? You were all over the place. Yeah, I've been resting up. I've been resting up hard, like like the football club is uh, here in Winnipeg following that preseason game. But, like, let's not address let, – let's get right to the elephant in the room. That Winnipeg Sea Bears atmosphere was off the charts – like I was expecting Winnipeg and the culture that is here in Winnipeg for basketball to respond well to pro basketball being back to the city. But I was blown away, like obviously shattering the CEBL attendance record. Like what was it? 4,400 in Fraser Valley last year. They're well over 7,000 at uh, Canada life center for game one dramatic win dramatic finish love the target score the elam rule or whatever they call it the fiba rule some people seem to think this is like a a cebl thing no this is a fiba thing an international basketball rule to bring good drama and and importance to the finish but i'm just impressed with winnipeggers and manitobans coming out supporting this new game supporting this new pro team 
uh, like Wade Miller was there and obviously the owner of the club, David Asper. And it was a veritable who's who inside that stadium. And even people up, uh, you know, in, in, in the cheaper seats. Carter because, Chen was there. Yeah, it, it was tough to get tickets, right? All the Winnipeg so, uh, influencers. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I know. Obviously, you were there. Uh, Instagram was lit up with Sea Bears goodness. Twitter as well. It was just awesome to be there, and I'm really looking forward to lending my voice to half the home games this year. I'm kicking myself uh, I wasn't able to work that first game. Well, you were busy, but you got there at the end. You got to see the good stuff, and that was the win. As far as the game went, though. Um, I mean, it was really fun. It was back and forth. Seabear's got a nice lead. And then you mentioned those rules. And those rules are, I mean, if you have not, and I had never seen a target score game before uh, that night, uh, it was 80 to 68, I think, when they got to the point and they add nine points to the Seabear's total. So it was whoever got to 89 first. It got a little nervous there at the end because uh, Seabear's went to Brick City for about two and a half minutes after they got into the target score, but they got that win. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. I wasn't really too sure how that was going to work, but you don't have teams trying to kill time. You don't have teams just fouling, 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 like That's often happens. Yeah. It ended up being, I mean, an incredibly exciting way to finish a game. And, uh, of course, it couldn't end it up much better than the first ever Sea Bear, Winnipeg's own, the beast from River East, Chad Bostumus putting one back for the uh, for the first ever historic win for the franchise yeah chat gpt couldn't have written a better uh <laughs> game story finish for the seabears first game but i love the target score I, I think it's something that that shouldn't be overlooked it keeps everybody in the building engaged it keeps the teams engaged and i think it is incredibly fair you know if you have an 80 68 spread with four minutes remaining Put nine points on top of the leading team score and let the two teams duke it out. And well, this weekend we we saw why it is so such a popular way to finish games, going right down to the wire. Yeah, Winnipeg got cold shooting the ball. Teddy buckets, Teddy Allen, uh, expecting to be Winnipeg's far and away leading scorer. This is the guy who has earned the nickname Teddy Buckets because he scores a, a ton of points, CEBL veteran, um, and somebody Seabears fans and Winnipeg sports fans are, are going to get to know over the, the coming weeks and months. But he had a really cold night. I think he went four for 20 or something from the field. But this is a guy that averaged like 27-plus points in the CEBL last year. Uncharacteristic off night. If he was on his game or even just a little bit better than, than what he showed, I think the Seabears would have run away with that game. Uh, even with him being cold, they held that that heavy lead. But, uh, yeah, Chad Posthumous, veteran, big body. What I've seen in him and in watching the Seabears practice and obviously the, the game on Saturday is the guy hustles. He's playing hard every single play, and it's got to be a little bit of um, you know extra energy in him playing in front of the hometown fans at the pro level for the first time in his life. But awesome. Go check out a Seabears game. It's a hot ticket right now. Well, and uh, uh, Simon Hildebrand was awesome. I mean, the uh, rookie yeah. of the year from the Bisons. And uh, I know Big Sean Manhattan, a favorite of ours here on WST from the Westmans on the squad as well. So, I mean, overall, just a great, great start for uh, for Pro Hoops uh, returning. 22 years. I couldn't believe it was that long since the Cyclone <clears throat> shut it down. It just goes to show how old we are. Anyways... We'll move on from that topic. Um, DB, you, of course, did do double duty on Saturday because uh, it was the first post-game show with uh, Bonfire Sports and the Bombers. What did you think about the uh, 
preseason win over Edmonton? Well, you know, if I want to be real, preseason's preseason, right? You know, you're you're out there watching the teams and you're not really invested in like strategy or who's going to win or, you know, uh, different uh, game planning or, or this or that or the other. It's vanilla. It's about assessment. It's essentially a live action job interview for a lot of guys on both teams. The Edmonton Elks, it was their second preseason game. They got things going last weekend on Sunday. So for them, it was a little bit more of their regular guys and their starters. It was their last opportunity to get a look at guys before they made a whole bunch of cuts. Uh, I think it was yesterday, Hustler. Sammy Coates cut from the Edmonton Elks. People remember him uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, time in the NFL, big-bodied receiver, like so many from the NFL coming up here to try to extend their careers, couldn't make it happen. But the overwhelming storyline coming out of that Blue Bombers win in preseason game one is the man they call Piggy T, number three, QB three, Terrell Pigram, uh, electric, quick, fast, doing all types of things on the field, punched in a touchdown on a drive led by Zach Kolaris and the Blue Bombers' first-team offense late in the game. Huge second and 27 conversion. I think it was second and 27 to Canadian rookie Jeremy Murphy, uh, punching in another touchdown after that, showing speed, showing the arm, showing quickness, uh, and showing the ability to move the chains. So uh, for Winnipeg, you know, the Dakota Prukop um weapon that he was last season well he's now gone maybe it is Terrell Prigram uh who is that guy that's going to come in on short yardage we'll see how this second preseason game goes Josh Jones very different physical makeup as the Blue Bombers other prospect quarterback behind Zach Kolaris and Drew Brown so Josh Jones he needs a big game uh this coming weekend uh, in preseason game number two any concerns with the defensive line um the Elks certainly ran on the Bombers. Casey Sales is gone. There's still, I'm not sure, ever really replaced Stowe Richardson. Uh, and, of course, Jackson Jeffcoat wasn't out there. Um, I guess if there is an area of either offense or defense that is somewhat up in the air or not entirely established, was it safe to say it's the defensive side of the line of scrimmage? Or is that yeah. just an overreaction to us to the weekend? Well, that's our job. Our job is to overreact to these things, right? We want to know <laughs> what's going on. We want to know if and where there might be somewhere Winnipeg can be better. This is the important thing to remember for fans out there. The preseason is vanilla for a reason. Even the first couple weeks of the regular season, you're not going to see everything. All these offensive and defensive coordinators go deep into the playbook. Uh, same with the run game and even the run stop game. It's not just about the offensive play that's called. It's about the defensive play that is called and the scheme and game plan uh, against the opponent. I'm not going to say Winnipeg needs to be better against the run. I'm not going to say Winnipeg's run game on offense needs to be better until I start seeing it make an effect on games that matter during the regular season. Stove Richardson, you say Winnipeg maybe has never replaced him. I thought Casey Sales was excellent last season for Winnipeg, and that was echoed in the contract he got. I think he's the highest paid interior defensive lineman in the CFL, signing a nice deal 
uh, to go to the East Division and continue his career. Uh, but Stove was huge. Um, you know, Casey Sales was huge. Can Ricky Walker be that guy to take the majority of the reps at defensive tackle next to Jake Thomas and be consistent in his production and his run stuffing ability? You know, I don't think he is maybe uh, blowing anybody's socks off, but the team is confident in him. He was taking meaningful snaps late in the game in the Grey Cup last year. Everybody remembers him nearly tiptoe tripping uh, Chad Kelly on that huge run that he made that essentially sealed the game for the Argos. So, you know, a couple inches uh, away from making a huge play in the backfield was Ricky Walker in the Grey Cup. And who knows how things would have shaken out. But, of course, that's, uh, that, that's history to, to not be redigested. But uh, for Winnipeg, you know, getting uh, a healthy Jackson Jeffcoat, good and ready to go for the regular season. Willie Jefferson there. Maybe a young guy can do something in the second preseason game hustler and uh, lock in a spot. Uh, in a defensive rotation. Uh, but, but all things said and done, I mean, they're deep at linebacker. Barrington Wade, a young first-year player uh, who has uh, opened some eyes. He's right there with Malik Clements and Adam Big Hill. Kyrie Wilson, of course, wildly underrated linebacker in the Canadian Football League today, a veteran of this Blue Bombers defense, on the six-game injured list to start the season. Um, they got a ton of guys uh, in the defensive backfield, a lot of veterans returning, a lot of young guys, Jamal Parker, uh, Matt Cole is a rookie, uh, Demario Houston. I think all of those guys are going to grow into starting and contributing roles on the defense. Um, I think Winnipeg, all things considered, are one of those teams that, GMs and head coaches across the CFL are wishing that they had their lineup, are wishing that they had their uh, history of success with defensive coordinator Richie Hall uh, over the last number of years here in Winnipeg. Uh, I wouldn't worry about anything until uh, it's actually worth worrying about. Hey, DB, uh, you know, considering we're still in the future stage of the the CFL betting season, let me just ask you this. Staying away from what the odds, but if you were handicapping it, I think we all agree the Bombers are the team to beat. Who's number two right now? Who do you see on paper, at least, as the biggest challenge to the Bombers, whether it's in the West or over in the East Division? Yeah, okay. Well, I'll I'll give you a a number two to the Bombers in each division, and then I'll give you a dark horse to watch because I think a lot of people are sleeping on a certain team in the East. I think Edmonton will be better, but I don't think they're going to be pushing the top teams in the league. They'll get to the playoffs. I think the Calgary Stampeders are a team that because of Jake Mayer's play late in the year, especially in that playoff game at BC Place, getting pulled for Bo Levi Mitchell, a lot of people are thinking, you know, maybe he's not a guy that can make it happen. But if John Huffnagel and uh, Dave Dickinson have said, this is the guy that we're going to go with and we're going to move on from Bo Levi Mitchell... I'm going to tend to agree with them or at least trust that. They've earned the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) Yeah. Before, you know, just writing a guy off after, you know, a bad stretch of games late in the year, you know, BC's defense was good. Winnipeg's defense was good. Um, You know, uh, maybe Calgary wasn't playing their best football when it mattered most. So I think Calgary is the team that is going to be number two to the Winnipeg blue bombers. As far as power rankings are concerned or a team that's going to make some noise in the West in the East, everybody who watches Bonfire Sports knows I'm high on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, their general manager, their head coach uh, uh, in uh, Orlando Steinhauer. It is a 
tip top ship from top to bottom in Hamilton. Tons of talent, lots of change in the defensive backfield this year. But you add Bo Levi Mitchell for some stability and veteran swagger on the offense. I'm not. I don't think Bo Levi Mitchell is uh, is is done or packed up or you know. Sure, he might be in the back nine of his career, but I still think he can be an effective winning quarterback on a team that is rock solid in the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So Calgary in the West, Hamilton in the East, and the team I think people are sleeping on the dark horse of 2023. Winnipeg's own Bobby L.A. Dice, the new head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks, so a healthy Jeremiah Masoli, uh, weapons on offense, tons of depth on defense. Uh, you know, uh, Lorenzo Malden, uh, the type of season he had at, at defensive line, uh, they are going to be a very good football team. We remember here in Winnipeg how close those two Bombers wins against the Red Blacks were early in the season. They fought tooth and nail prior to Masoli getting hurt. I think Ottawa is going to make a lot of noise in the CFL this year. I am with you. Their over-under for wins is eight. Yeah. I hammered hammered the eight. And listen, this all comes down to Jeremiah Masoli. Um, You know, if he can be healthy. But I'm with you, and I've said this before. I think Bob Dice is such a great addition as a head coach because they'll have other coordinators, but he is he is a leader of men. And you talk to any guy that's played for Bobby Dice, and yep. they they will run through a wall for that guy. And, you know, with some of the new players they've got in, returning their quarterback back, I'll be honest, I don't even mind uh, Jeremiah Masoli at 7-1 to one for MOP. And I'll tell you why that is. I, like um, that I do think that, I mean, I expect the Bombers to win the West and to, to still be that team. And I think around the rest of the league, there's somewhat of Bomber fatigue. Bombers have been this team. They're always there. We're always talking about their players. If Jeremiah Masoli can come in on a team that was brutal last year without him, and they can turn that into a 10-win season and host a playoff game, I think there'll be a lot of people that will maybe look east for a guy that can do that. And I mean, you can make an argument for Bo Levi, um, but I, I, I'm sp- particularly high on Ottawa. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised that they could even get to 10 wins or so. And, and, and listen, I think the east is so wide open, Darren. Yeah. I think that, you know, we could very well see something similar to last year where we've got three teams all within a couple games of each other. Um, and that buy being determined in the last, you know, week 20 or week 21 of the CFL season. So here's a little inside track for the viewers out there. I'm having some conversations with people, um, you know, staffers on teams in the East just yesterday and, and over the weekend. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll float it out to them and be like, man, the East, East looks pretty wide open. And it's almost like they don't want to say too much because it is really wide open. I think every team in the East Every single team, even the Montreal Alouettes that a lot of people are, uh, you know, maybe thinking is, is going to miss the playoffs with um, a new head coach, Jason Moss, reunited with quarterback Cody Fajardo, just now in Montreal. Um, but all of those teams in the East think they can win. So I think that hesitation of saying, yeah, it's wide open, you know, we like our chances. It's almost like, oh, you know. It is wide open. Anything can happen. Uh, That's the beauty of the crazy football league, the CFL, um, is that you never know what's going to happen. 
for the betters out there. It is so much fun early in the season. Run with those underdogs in those early games of the regular season. You're probably going to do better um, than you think you will taking those underdogs and, and, and finding those, uh, those better odds. But yeah, I mean, when you talk about Hustler, you talk about the um, Blue Bombers fatigue. I think you are on the nose correct because the numbers, uh, when you look at, you know, the odds of Zach Kolaris to lead the league in passing or to be the MOP, the, you know, the, the payoff's not that great. And for Winnipeg, like, remember, Zach Kolaris is QB1 on an offense that is balanced, Brady Oliveira, Johnny Augustine, this Jordan Salima kid that, uh, you know, has, has been pretty good, um, you know, through training camp. Greg McRae, uh, Nick Dembski, all of these different weapons that can run the football and be involved in the pass game. I don't think Winnipeg is going to be a team that's going to be like, OK, you know, Kenny Lawler's got 1,200 yards and Dalton Schoen's got uh, 1,300 yards and, and Zach Kolaris has got, you know, 40 touchdowns. Uh, I think it's going to be a very, very balanced attack. So if you're looking for those uh, CFL futures bets that are about who leads the league or who might be East division, West division, MOP nominees, or those sorts of things. I think there's a lot of value out there beyond the team that has really dominated the awards and obviously uh, winning, you know, uh, a whole bunch of great cups over the last number of years in the blue bombers. Darren bombing is with us uh, talking a little bombers for his bonfire sports role. And again, we did hit the sea bears, get out to a game. You'll hear the dulcet tones of our guest right now, cranking up the, uh, PA PA from uh, from the sideline, um, but hey, Bombers are back. We got a home game this week for preseason home opener the next week. You're in full swing with Bonfire Sports. Fill people in on the schedule and uh, where they can uh, find out all the great blue and gold content you and the fellows are cranking out. Every single game, pregame coverage, me and Chris Walby, the day before the game, we go live. Join us, jump into the live chat. We have a ton of fun. Nobody tops. 63 Chris Walby uh, for his uh, obvious historical perspective uh, and analysis currently on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the CFL post game game day after dark. I'll have a variety of different individuals and, and newsmakers joining me for the post game show. We go live. I don't know, 15, 20, 25 minutes after the game. Tons of fun. It's our most popular show on bonfire sports is game day after dark. So before and after every Bombers game, head to Bonfire Sports on YouTube, bonfiresports.ca, and then Zach Schnitzer. The Schnitz, he's a fan. I'm a reporter. We balance each other out. We get into CFL uh, football top to bottom and a lot on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Bonfire Midweek, Wednesdays, 7.30 on Bonfire Sports. Tons of fun, Hustler, and uh, always appreciate uh, you uh, allowing me to come on and, and talk a little football. We'll talk a little basketball this year, too. You bet. I actually saw Schnitz at the uh, Taste of the Bombers event. He mentioned that, yeah. Which was unreal. I mean, that is that has to be an annual event. How I was think Jeff that... Gray? Jeff Gray was awesome. And in fact, the funny thing was, so he did some sort of special corn dog that he had made the recipe for. <laughs> and they had made it. And I happened to be with Gray and a bunch of the Bombers when he tried it for the first time to see what they did with his creation. Um, I thought it was excellent. Everything there was, was so, so good. And I'll tell you what, it was about 29 degrees. The sun was shining. 
half the people there were in their blue and gold. And I'm like, we are just about ready to get back to this stadium. And uh, it's it's been too long ever since the end of the Grey Cup. I can tell you the players are happy. The training camp is over. The fans are as well. And um, I have a feeling there'll be a lot of excitement for the Friday preseason game this week. But you fast forward another week and... Uh, going to be a hell of a way to get things going against Bo Levi Mitchell and those Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah, it's going to be tons of fun. The Riders are in town this weekend at the Madhouse on Matheson. You know I love calling that spot what it is. It's an absolute Madhouse uh, with this winning uh, franchise, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And yeah, Tie Cats to, to kick off the regular season, that rivalry, it's going to be awesome to see Bo Levi Mitchell in black and yellow uh, against the blue and gold. It's going to be fun, but buckle up. 2023 is going to be an awesome season in the CFL and I hope you can come along with us for the ride. DB, we'll see you later on this week. Good luck with everything and uh, and we'll look forward to the first bonfire midweek coming up and then uh, the first home game post game on bonfire after Friday's game. Take it easy, dude. You too, man. Cheers. All right. There is our uh, guy, Darren Baum. We've still got a few things to get to. I do want to Give a big shout-out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, a perfect getaway for any Manitoba business uh, or for individuals if you're just looking for a world-class fishing destination where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. And as great as the fishing is, the Aikens experience and the Aikens hospitality, even more world-class. Find out more online at AikensLake.com. And you can also fire our friend Pitt Turen a uh, tweet if you'd like or a DM at Aikens Lake for more information about booking information and what availability they have for the remainder of the year. Uh, shout out to the Gold Eyes who finished up a very successful homestand. Um, you know, they came back two and four from the road. They head back out on the road at eight and seven after going six and three, and I believe winning two of three in all three of their series, was at the game on Friday night, another beautiful night at the ballpark. Uh, And I'm putting together quite a collection of food picks from the ballpark. We're just trying to work our way through some of the other spots that we haven't been to. We'll do a feature on that sometime soon. Uh, Fish are back a week tomorrow, next Tuesday, But if you're looking for a great night to maybe um, target going, next Saturday is Métis night, uh, but it'll also be fireworks. So that's a 6 p.m. game on Saturday, June 10th, the next fireworks night. Go to goldeyes.com for all the information on upcoming promos. And, of course, you can get your tickets there as well. Um, We will be getting to our horse picks in just a minute, but i got to give a shout out to Emmanuel Grillo, who was back in the winner's circle in the PGA tour yesterday. And what a bizarre way he won it in a playoff after putting his drive on 18 into a Creek, which then took the ball about 500 meters away. He had to play where it entered the Creek. He double bogeyed, but he prevailed in the playoff as a 100 to one long shot. Uh, and I believe Harold Varner III won the live event at the Trump course in D.C. I, like most of you, never watched the second of it, but it is apparently existing, so I would give a shout-out to HV3, my guy. Of course, our golf reports brought to you by Breezy Bend, an incredible long-term home for your family. If you would like more information on getting onto the waiting list and making Breezy your permanent golfing home, and give them a call at 895-7205. 
or find out more online at breezybend.ca. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines. Uh, and, uh, and you know, we'll do that. I did pop by Little Brown Jug on the weekend. Had to give shout-outs to uh, everybody there for, um, you know, winning basically all the awards, I think, at the Prairie Brew Awards. Uh, I had a generic beer, a generic lager at Little Brown Jug, and I had a couple of the Gold Eyes games. Love the fact that it is available there as well. You certainly won't go hard for choices when you're uh, hitting up the beer man at the Gold Eye game. Of course, Generic Lager is just launched. It's available now at the Tap Room downtown. It's also available at your favorite beer store. Impressively standard in the best way, light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and a crisp finish. Now Manitoba can support local without having to move away from the domestic taste they've come to expect with the light beer and some great new Generic Lager merch as well available. You can check that at littlebrownjug.ca or check it out in person along with those new grilled cheese sandwiches they have down at the Tap Room and Brewery. All right, let's get to the Cool Bet lines and we'll get Remo back in here. Remo, we got a game tonight. And I, like most people, did not see much of Game 5 on Saturday night. I mean, we were down watching the hoops at the the first Seabears game. Following it, I kind of thought that we'd be talking about the Stanley Cup matchup, Vegas versus Florida, but not so fast Dallas got it done. Now Jamie Ben is back, and they're at home. That being said, I think I'm still leaning towards Vegas at plus 113 to get the win tonight. Dallas at minus 132. Yeah, we were not paying attention to this. We were fully locked in on Sea Bears on Saturday, and you know Friday was so weird. It was one of the first nights in a while without any hockey on, and this game was on Saturday in Vegas, and I agree. I've kind of since it was three nothing. You're like, okay, well, Vegas is gonna go to the final. It's gonna be Florida Vegas, not so fast. Uh, Dallas figuring it out after that meltdown uh, for Jamie Ben cross checked uh, Mark Stone in the neck. There was a video going around from on the bench of Jamie Ben's workouts. Did you see that one? Where no. it's <laughs> okay. Oh. Wait. Let me show you this. This was uh, practicing. Uh, let me guess some strength exercises for when you fall on a guy with your stick. <laughs> yeah, this was this was the video. Jamie Ben getting ready for game six uh, on social media. Everyone, this was, I think got a million views. This is Jamie Ben getting <laughs> getting ready. <laughs> and if you're not on the podcast, it's a guy taking a bar and just. Pushing down on a on a medicine ball. I don't know on a bouncy bouncy yeah, ball. Exercise balls <laughs> uh, uh, on an exercise ball. It got us uh, this video. I don't know how many how many views it has. It got like a, I think it's got like a million. Anyways, uh, he's back, and uh, I don't know. Maybe take Vegas as underdogs. I think that might be the better value. But we want to see a game seven, so I'll be in on Dallas. Does that video have more or less views than the Winnipeg Sports Talk TikTok of our live reaction to the first Sea Bears win? Oh, man. Well, credit to you, Huss, for being in position behind the scorer's table of uh, videoing the the win and giving your immediate on-the-court reaction. And our TikTok exploded on Saturday night. I think that video's got 30,000 views on TikTok. Got a ton more followers. And... It was on our Instagram as well, so Sports Talk WPG on both platforms. And a lot of people don't really know about the Sea Bears, and they're being exposed to it from maybe us talking about it. I know Alec came up to me at the game, said, I heard you guys talking about it. I got to show up. And uh, people in the comments, the one comment that I keep seeing us 
is really grinding me. People saying, sea bears? What's that? I'm like, oh, it's, you know, I, I, and that I get. I mean, I know you normally hear that term. You say, but it's polar bear. Polar bear, there's no polar bears in Winnipeg. I'm like, guys, are there lakes in Los Angeles? Is there jazz in Utah? Are there lions in BC? Bulls in Chicago? Tigers in Detroit? It's just a name, okay? Like, well, we're the capital com- of Manitoba. Manitoba is known for the polar yes. bears. For crying I- out loud, they brought the new mascot down from the rafters. Yeah. And his name is Churchill. Love it. Or Mr. C. Bear. That's funny. If you will. I, li- I like that. So I don't know why. I don't know. That's the That was my little rant for the day. Just people in our comments. I, I will admit, when I first heard they were going to be called the Sea Bears, I was like, what? Oh, but then when I found not? out a polar bear is a sea bear, then it and made a in. lot of sense. And I'll tell you what. No one at the game gave a damn about that. They were all in on it. The merch looked amazing. There was tons of people with the big chains, the big gold chain with the big logo on it. The hats were fire, and uh, they've got tons of great T-shirts, hoodies, and whatnot. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't already. You're going to be seeing a lot more of that around town now that the team is here. The one thing about the name is very easy to chant. Let's go see. But you heard a lot of let's go see bears. Chance very easy, and I agree with you. I think when you first hear, it, like, what is that? What is a sea bear? Like, oh, it's a polar bear, and then, yeah, that makes sense. That's that's a decent name, but there's people in our comments, not representative of the of the entire population, that think, like, like is there a raptor in Toronto? I don't think so, Hustler. <laughs> I don't think there's raptors in Toronto, so I don't know, like, why, why people are getting so so bent about the name. Yeah, uh, get over it, folks. The Sea Bears are here. It was a hell of a lot of fun, and their their next home game yeah, is twelve. Yeah, not I got next week, The following week, so uh, we'll see you back there. If you haven't made a plan yet to uh, to get out to a game, do it, and uh, hopefully we'll have another great crowd. Like I know that was the home opener; it was a big deal, and everyone wanted to get out for the first game. But I, I think that I think the Sea Bears. Here's my take right now. My prediction. I think the Sea Bears will break that previous CEBL record for attendance, mm-hmm. 4,400, multiple times this season. So I, 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 th- I think we'll probably be like looking around 5,000 a game for sure, if not more. Yeah, I, I'm curious how this is going to go. Um, I, I I agree. I loved how it was at the arena. I think it gave it that big game feel. The production oh, was Game was changer excellent. having it. I said that to Asper after the game. I said the best thing that ever happened. Well, was you you talked to the owner? Making this. Whoa, look at this. Mr. Big Shot here. He talked to me. At the scores table. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. I, I showed that picture of you. I don't know if you, you didn't acknowledge it on the air. But uh, there there you were. And talking to the owner, exciting. But yeah, I, I agree. I yeah. did acknowledge it. I told you I was sitting next to that uh, oh, yeah. that old dude. Sorry, that was that the head was... ref that was giving me all the uh, all the information, dropping that... dropping the knowledge on me throughout, that was two, throughout the game. Two hours ago, I already forgot forgot about <laughs> it. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm pumped for it, and I think a lot of people there were pumped too. And and we've talked so much. Like, there's so many more Canadian players going to NBA basketball, but also leagues around. Like, why can't we have our own league here and you know, you can watch it. Also, watch it on TSN, which I think is huge too. All the games on TSN Plus, but also national games called by Chuck Swirsky on uh, on actual broadcast television. Yeah, we're gonna have to. We'll have to get Morialli on um, because I know he was there. They've got two more opening games out west over the course of these next couple days. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And if TSN, or I guess the league is smart, I don't know how they decide where they're going to be broadcasting games from, but uh, Winnipeg should be at the top of that list because that was an incredible advertisement for the league, what happened here in the city on, uh, on Saturday night. Speaking of basketball, the one thing that I did catch after the game was the end of game six in the Heat Celtics game. Did you see that, Remus? I saw a video of people at a wedding celebrating because they thought the Heat won, but the Celtics actually won. There were so <laughs> many. I saw one. DJ Khaled, big uh, big Miami guy. DJ I'm a big DJ Khaled fan. Khaled, we the best. Right? Is that guy? Yeah. We the best. Um, <laughs> DJ, DJ Khaled, big Heat guy. He was watching it. He thought that they won. And then... Like so many people, it took about 15 seconds, went, wait a second. Number nine on the Celtics did tip that in at the buzzer, 0.1 seconds away from going to the NBA Finals. But no, the Celtics get the tip in at the buzzer, win 104-103. And we got game seven tonight. The Celtics on the verge of being the first team in NBA history of 140 teams, I believe, to fall down 3 nothing and to come back and win. They're massive favorites tonight, minus 303. The Heat, plus 250. I do think this game will be close, though. I'm going to lean on the Heat, plus 7.5 in this one. And I am taking Vegas, uh, plus 113, to win. That being said, my picks last week were historically bad. So bad, in fact, I think I mushed Dustin Nielsen's computer into breaking. And that's why we didn't have a lock shop today. So uh, I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping with the new week, I really just want to get through round three of both the hockey and the basketball and get on to the finals um, because I, for some reason, have been cursed in round three. So if you do, here's I'm going to let you know my picks just so you can fade them if you want. Uh, if you want to go against me, take Boston minus seven and a half and take the Dallas Stars tonight. There you go. By the way, while you're at CoolBet, we talked on this a little bit with Darren Bombing. All the CFL futures are up right now. Uh, win totals, receiving props, uh, who's going to win the divisions, the league leaders, uh, some awards as well, some rushing props. Brady Oliveira, over under 950 yards for the season. think he can do that. You can jump on it. They've got a few other guys. So plenty of CFL options. If you want to do any of those season-long bets, it's all over there at CoolBet. Use the promo code WST if you're signing up. 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit over at CoolBet. And uh, it's Monday, Remo. You know what that means? Assiniboia Downs. We're back at the track tonight and tomorrow. Now, again, short week for racing. We've got Monday and Tuesday this week, and then as of next week, it'll be the regular Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule throughout the remainder of the summer all the way to Labor Day. I'm fired up. Uh, so I got my picks ready. Uh, you know, the, the short week last week, racing. There was no racing Wednesday. Um, so we only had really had one day with picks on the show. I was like kind of lost uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night without action. I love turning it on on YouTube. You know, when I'm watching baseball or hockey, you can have it up on my phone, wait for my race to go and uh, watch watch the winners roll in. Well, I did have one winner last week. We'll see if I can get a couple tonight. Yeah, you had a nice start. Okay, well, listen, why don't you uh, why don't you start off as I uh, just okay. complete mine? I'm 
I'm going a uh, bit different. Usually I don't do the Triactor boxes, but I went for two of them tonight and one Exacta box. So race two, I like two and five in an Exacta box. That's first and second in any order. Uh, horse two, drop a caribou. And horse five, Gucci bling. I had to go with Gucci bling. Uh, race four, I am in on a Triactor box. One, six, and seven. First, second, third, any order. Milan, Ohio. Anna Kozana, and this is one of my favorite ones, has big, big energy. Those yeah. are my my three. Okay, I like race six. This is just a straight win. Um, horse two, impressive sense, taking that one to win. And race seven, a nice tractor box, one, six, seven. So first, second, third, any order. Uh, Red Sparrow. Oh, I don't remember picking red. This is not the way. Uh, oh, sorry, race, this is race four, race four, my bad, I can't, no, no, I said that one, one, six, seven, sorry, race six, two to four, oh, and then I picked two to win, okay, okay, I did two, three, and four, impressive sense, bear me a moment, and shinbro, uh, shinbro, I did one, two, and three, I don't mean to do that, I'm deleting that one, (laughs) okay, race five, it's actually, I can't read my list, I'm just gonna move on, you go. All right, I'm going to edit go. that out. Race, so okay. two, three, four. House Limit, Del Vecchio, stay happy. I'm reading on a small screen, five and six. My wife tells me I need glasses all Very the time. Very small Us. font. You got to own it. You got to own it. I need, need glasses. glasses. Just jump on it. I never had glasses ever. Now I never, I, I'm not wearing glasses. I'm nervous. All right. I don't want to get my I'm eyes checked. With, I'm going race two, number five, Gucci Bling. Great, great name for a horse. And I think Gucci Bling's actually the favorite. So we'll... Sprinkle on Gucci bling. Uh, in race number three, we are going with number five, which is Kim's Texas bling. Oh, Kim, that's a good horse. Along with number one, that's a lot of bling. So oh. last year, <laughs> if you recall, I would always bet on the horses that was wit something. Obviously, I would imagine there's a connection between these horses. So 5115 Exactor Box, Kim's Texas Bling, and that's a lot of bling in in race three. Uh, In race four, I'm going to bet number five, Sassy's Stormin' to win. And then I'll do an Exactor Box with Sassy Stormin' and Big Big Energy. And then in race number five, I'm going to bet, this is another, another name that I really like, number six, boss factor or the boss factor so uh, i've got that to win and i'll uh, i'll probably sprinkle on the final race i've saved six bucks so i'll do a uh, i'll do a a one dollar triactor wheel let's go with uh number nine living sky misgiving and fingertip two four nine there we go that's our uh that is our la- our triactor for the last one, fingertips twelve to one, misgivings two to one, living sky is six to one. Six dollar bet. Lock it in. Uh folks, if you haven't already, get out to the track post time, seven thirty PM tonight and tomorrow. Then as I said, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week. Uh and you can always call the dining room, see if they've got any spot for that incredible buffet where you can sit, chow down for uh 
to your heart's delight and bet from the comfort of your own table. Assiniboy Downs is back. The Ponies at the post tonight at 7.30 p.m. I think I'm actually going to go tomorrow night, though, Reem. Tonight will be a night to get two TVs, probably at a local watering hole, and watch both Dallas and Vegas go at it and see what happens in this crazy Heat Celtic series. Yeah, that would be crazy history. Always screaming to see a team come back from 3-0, and Dallas is going to try to force a Game 7 on their way back, and I don't see why they couldn't do it with Jake Ottinger and Ned if he's playing uh, like he is able to. Uh, so a great night for playoff sports, and these third rounds have been rough. I agree. I think I picked every game wrong in this, in the in the hockey for sure. Every game I picked wrong. As uh, I said, I just need to get through this series and get back to normal. I mean, I've had a great run. I had an incredible football season last year. I did very well in hockey, and then we've gotten to this round three, and like I haven't been able to hit anything, and it's spreading to baseball. I needed to cool down. I basically took a time, a self-imposed timeout on the account for the two days. But I'm back tonight for game six in the hockey and game seven in the hoops. Vegas and the heat plus seven and a half. Feel free to fade me. I will not take it personally whatsoever. It would have been a good move for the last uh, week. All right. Um, great show today. And again, if you do want to watch the uh, races on Assiniboia Downs, have you watched the YouTube yet, Reem? A Cinnaboy Downs of the tracks. Have you seen the new uh, the new technology? Oh, they got, got the GPS thing. Yeah, that yes. shows the horse numbers. Yeah, it's way easier to see. It's crazy. It, it is so cool. Anyways, check out Curtain Stretch. will get on at six forty five mm. tonight, and uh, and yeah, it is totally different now. Watching I mean, you know, before you were sort of hoping you knew. Now they've got that uh, that bit and. Um, I basically, it's live, uh, live bit. Oh, and hey, one more thing, Reem. Yeah, before we go, uh, we got to give a big thanks to our buddy Pat Kanuga from CBC, who did a really, really nice piece on the emergence of Winnipeg digital sports media. Um, he came down to uh, the year ender bender put on by our pals Kenny and Rennie. Uh, and talk to Sean, talk to myself, talk to Dave Manuk, and put together a, a real nice piece that um, aired, I guess, today earlier on Marcy Marcuse's show on the CBC. Well, yeah, this was really cool um, being mentioned on CBC. And, you know, Pat's been a listener. I, I saw him at our, oh my, at our, um, when did we do, we did a live at Little Brown Jug, Jug. I met him there and saw him at the Kenny and Rennie event, but he interviewed you guys and, uh, here's the tagline. CBC's Pat Canuga dips into the world of local sports podcasting and the emerging media that's connecting sports fans in the digital space. So that's some nice words about this show, Kenny and Rennie, Illegal Curve. It is on, um, I tweeted the story. I was just an audio. It's a five minute, six, five minute, 40 second audio story. So it's on our uh, podcast or on our uh, Twitter link our twitter uh facebook youtube community i put it in there so check it out uh it was a great listen and uh pretty cool what's happening here in the digital space no doubt about it oh and hey here before we go yeah doug we we'll do updates remus is up he had a big first day so i am playing a little bit of catch up hopefully that crazy uh triactor wheel i did in the last race can come through today and give me a big win um but remo Let's get, I, I need to give a shout out to Gregory, Liverpool, the OG, 
caller number one from the first ever H&L show, not on, not on Freak when we were on OB. Gregory was at the game on Saturday. Of course he was. Great seats, by the way, Greg. I think Greg jumped on early and got some beauties. And uh, we've got a great pick. Do you have that pick of me and Greg? There it is. The man himself. Greg, we need to get you a Seabears hat, though. I mean, like, you and Stephen A. with your love of the Dallas Cowboys. Come on. It's a Winnipeg game. It would be like me wearing a Chiefs hat to a Bomber game or something like that. But uh, Greg was looking good. And shout out to everyone else that came by and said hi. Got a chance to meet Chris, a longtime listener, along with his family. And it was great to hear, Remo, that there were a few people that heard us sort of talking about it throughout the week and decided to make it out and check out the game for the first time. Yeah, a couple of people... Um came up to me and you during the game and uh, see Schickster in chat. I saw him there said hi. Um, so it was a great community of people who are fans of basketball and Winnipeg sports supporting and uh, definitely a historic event for a CBL most uh, attended game 70 was 7303 people there and you know, return of pro basketball here is great. So I'm looking forward to more CBL action. Oh, listen, and can Adam Douglas is saying, hey, you guys got to show okay, the Assiniboine River tubing guy tomorrow. Where was uh, that? We will at some point. Well, he was cruising down the Assiniboine, which is basically right by my spot, and then you eventually get to the Forks, and then you're into the Red. But you all laugh about this, that this guy was a nut. I will be that guy later on this summer. When I was in Qatar, and I think I told you this off-air, Remo, but like throughout the pandemic just with all that time not going out and hanging out, um, I got a little obsessed with the river and people that were canoeing or having boats and things like that and spent a lot of time. But, you know, uh, the, like, high-end inflatable boats were basically impossible to get because of the run on them during the pandemic. Well, while I was in Qatar and the time change was so nuts that it's the middle of the night here in Winnipeg, so I was, you know, online or whatever... I bought one of those boats. It is still in a box. It, I mean, the, the the water's too high right now to get down to the dock by me. But I will recreate that video that that guy did. And um, I don't know. We're going to have to find a way to stick a car, like, way up the red somewhere. And we'll jump in and we'll just tube, well, tube or whatever float all the way down there. And there actually is room on this thing for a motor as well. So I think I'll look into that, but I'll need to be talking to someone that knows what they're talking about to get on that. But uh, yeah, big advocate of getting out onto the river. So many people live in the city and they're never there. They have no idea what is out there. It is a, uh, it will change the way you look at Winnipeg. If you can uh, spend an afternoon running around the, uh, around the uh, Cinnaboyne or the red. If you want to go on a boat on the river, I think that's cool. But I think when you're like getting skin on water contact for an extended period of time, is that, is that okay? I don't know. It's totally okay. I, as, I've showed you those videos of those psycho kids that do the well, backflips into crazy. the water. Yeah. I mean, they are somewhat nuts. I mean, I, I but they, they've been doing it long enough that obviously nothing's happened to them because the last few years, they, they tie this rope to one of the trees out here and literally do backflips and whatnot into the river, and they seem to have pairs. There are people that swim in the river. Don't drink the water, though. I don't, definitely don't drink the water. Yeah, I'm not going in, but I'd go on a boat. Like you talk, you're the one who talks about the water taxi all the time, going to the Gold Eyes games. 
on it. I've actually never done that, but it does sound fun. That's great. Oh, Gregory's chimed in. That is my basketball game attire, Hustler. I don't want to go full tilt Spike Lee. <laughs> you should be full tilt. You should be the Seabear Spike Lee, Greg. Getting after everyone and all in on every game. I know you will be. Anyways, we'll, uh, we will have some fun. And hopefully the water taxi is going to be ready to go at least down by the Assiniboine. We just need the water to go down a little bit more. But yes, there will be some content on that. If you missed our post from the Seabears, though, definitely check it out. I'll give you a good shot of the winning basket and then a little recap right afterwards. There's Teddy Buckets. What a big game. He was Teddy Bricks for about two minutes after uh, it went to the target score, but they ended up getting it done as the big guy, Chad Posthumus, put it back and uh, and got the win. Um, listen, enjoy the games tonight, everyone. Dallas, Vegas, and then, of course, the Heat and Celtics. Tomorrow on the program, we'll have much more on uh, the Bombers, the Winnipeg Jets, Stanley Cup Final, if it is set, or we'll be getting ready for a Game 7 between Vegas and the Dallas Stars. Thanks to Bombing. Thanks to Jeff Hamilton. A big thanks to Bill Lindsay for uh, getting us the latest on the Florida Panthers. Have a great night. Enjoy the weather, and we'll see you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.